and welcome to the Survivor Historians, the only podcast that you are currently listening to. My name is Mario Lanza. Well, but if you're listening to another podcast, can't you be listening to it at the same time? That might be misleading, Mario. No, I don't think our <laughs> our listeners are capable of that kind of technology. Okay, well, maybe in the future. Uh, but this is uh, Paul Osselson. Look at these two, like, arguing with each other about podcast stuff. I'm 32 years old. They ain't getting shit from me. I'm Jay Fisher. <laughs> and we are here to wrap up our mega three-part podcast on Survivor Thailand, a season that many people hate with a passion. It's been routinely called the worst season of Survivor history, at least up to a certain point in time it was routinely called the worst. And we're hoping that you've enjoyed the podcast. You've enjoyed reminiscing about a season that we all really have, think is a lot of fun. And we're here uh, for the final part today to wrap it up and talk about the legacy of the Lord and Master himself, Brian Heideck. And, and to tell you the truth, you know, I was I was listening to some people talk about Survivor Thailand just the other day, and it was really funny because they're like, oh, Thailand, I hate it. I hate that season so much. I freaking hate that season. And then they're like, there was this cool part that happened, and this part was really cool, and this part was really cool, and this part was really funny. And they went on to, you know, espouse all these positive things about the season, and then at the end go, yeah, but it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Other than that. Uh, other than it was being freaking amazing, it sucked. There you go. Yeah. And other than having per- arguably the greatest player in Survivor history, it sucked. Exactly. But yeah, you can, as you guys can tell, we've been making a lot of jokes in the first two parts of this podcast because we all think Thailand is hilarious. It's absolutely one of my favorite seasons, funny-wise. And so we've, we're just having a ball. But part three, we're going to focus a little more because we got a lot to get through. And I think we're going to just try to uh, get right to it. So I will turn it over to our master of ceremonies, the bearded hat guy himself, Jay Fisher. Take it away, Jay. Let's do this. We had a fake merge, and Shan fell for it because Shan sucks, right? Is that Su Yi? Su Yi, Suk Jai, what was her name again? Shinjo? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly where we left off, is where Brian Heideck doesn't actually remember what Shan's name was. (laughs) Which is a classic Heideckism. But uh, a theme, and we don't need to hit on it too hard, but a nice theme that kind of goes in these this episode eight, and you know, kind of going on is this, you know, the two tribes are living in the same cave, and one goes to tribal council and the other, and you know, they do say at some points like, you know, they can't super celebrate a win, a win because the other tribe's there and they're sad, and they can't be super sad about it because the other tribe's there and they won, and this is a case where they're coming back from tribal council, they're coming back from voting Suyi, Shinjo, off. And they're kind of waiting up for him, you know, because, A, you know, you don't want to be asleep and then they come into your camp and then wake you up and all that sort of stuff. And second of all, they're really curious as to who they voted off. And so we get a lot of confessionals about them saying, oh, I really want to see who's gone. OK, to talk about this episode in particular, this is one when people name, you know, the all time worst Survivor episode. This is one that often comes up, which is Thailand Episode 8. In fact, if you go to Survivor Sucks, you people will routinely trash this episode because really it's one challenge about 20 minutes into the episode and then it's 40 minutes of the Sukjai's boohooing that they have to vote somebody out. That's a lot of sad music in this one. It is, but, but I will defend it. This has long been one of my favorite episodes. And I will flat out say that when I used to kind of write my Survivor stories and stuff and I try to capture the feel of what it was probably like to play Survivor, this is the episode that I would almost always base my episodes around, where you wanted it way more emotion than strategy. And this is the one episode that I always kind of think does TV really well, does Survivor really well. And it always kind of makes me sad that so many people hate this episode. Well, and, you know, I th- I completely agree with Mario how everyone trashes on it. But And then when you actually go and watch it, though, you have to watch, you know, how they, they carefully pick what they do in this episode. Because during the recap episode that we get a few episodes later... 
um, you find out that during this episode, during this time, they actually were given, they were like fishing supplies that they were able to go out. And I mean, there was a whole segment that was cut from this episode that they, you know, it wasn't that they didn't have enough to show that they, you know, made it this supposedly really boring episode. They carefully picked how they portray this episode. So if you can take a step back and, you know, not focus on the strategy of Survivor and go back to, you know, like Mario said, the emotion behind it, it's actually a very, very good and interesting episode. And, and that's one episode that when you watch, you kind of really, you kind of feel you know what one what it's like to be a survivor as far as the survival aspect you get a lot of that in there and then also the emotional you know toll of it we get the great line from ken later in the episode about he used to compare this show to monopoly you know it's nothing like monopoly so yeah there's some great stuff that comes out of this episode and they do a lot of really really subtle things uh with the editing and i don't mean editing storyline wise or anything big like that just little jokes little in things that they do and we'll try to point it out but we don't want to spend forever on it uh so let's just dive right in so yes we have the funny scene with brian not knowing Shean's name they come back but as they're coming back you know suk jai has a little powwow beforehand and we get some confessionals in the dark from people and ken is starting to spread anti-penny seeds right off the bat mario loves this shit yeah this is a cool um again uh penny one of my favorite characters and this is the one where they're kind of turning into a villain even though you never actually see her doing anything villainous, where they're just subtly pointing out, all the other characters will point out that she's a villain, even though there's never actually any evidence of it. And it always kind of makes me laugh when I watch it. Yeah, and, we, and we're starting to see Penny start to, you know, she's now starting to kind of uh, really sort of pour on the charm here in camp. And it starts in the morning. Ted's in the morning, and he's talking to his family early in the morning, and Penny talks to him about that. And then it made me think, you know, with the whole Ted and Gandhi thing, was he, was he really just trying to sexy bite his family? <laughs> I heard he's not even attracted to his family. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you see Penny talking to, to, to Ted, and then you see Penny going over here, and you see Penny going over here, and then Clay has just one of the coolest confessionals I've ever seen, and I've already hinted at it, where he's like, Penny's walking around like she's, you know, gonna, you know, gonna get something from somebody or, you know, do this thing. Well, I'm 46. She ain't getting shit from this one. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, those whole scenes just you know that that whole scene you're alluding mm-hmm. to here when when we have a Ted on the beach doing his little exercise and Penny comes down there, which is kind of this awkward conversation. She's like, "Yeah, I'd like to you know do this with you," and yeah, let me know when you do your workout. I would love to. And then you, she walks away. You get a great eye roll, and you get the confessional from uh, Clay, and you say you see Jan talking about her like, "Why not? It's part of the package." So uh, it's kind of a shame that earlier in the season we don't get as much as Penny because, like you know, Mario said, how maybe we've gotten more. She would have been a great survivor character, a great survivor villain, because I, I mean, I always really was annoyed with her. Now I can go back and can appreciate her a little bit more as an actual character. But I did not like Penny when I was watching the show at all. But yeah, but there's no reason not to like her. That's the thing. I mean, other people just say they don't like her. Right. I mean, you have to, you, at one point when everyone else is saying, if you kind of jump on, you know, on their side, you don't have, we don't have any confessionals of Aaron defending Penny. So you kind of end up, you know, jumping on board with everyone else. Yeah, it's kind of like it reminds me of Laura versus Shambo, as we'll see later in Samoa, where all we get are comment confessionals about how Laura sucks, but, but you never actually see her doing anything horrible. But I think Paul's right. You get you get a sense here of you know this camp life and them going around. You see a nice little scene of uh, Jake and Ted, and they're kind of playing like a little basketball game with that basket uh, from that one challenge uh, and whatnot. And you see all this cool stuff. And then they talk to Brian, and Brian's just like. You know, there's tension in the air right now. Penny's running around. There's tension in the air. I can smell it. And then this is one of these fun things where he's like, there's tension in the air. I can smell it. And that 
certain goes right smash cut into the next scene where Ken thinks that Chewie Gun is pissing in the cave. <laughs> you know, I, I defend a lot of things about Survivor, but I can't really defend the five minute subplot about pissing in the cave. <laughs> Especially when at the end of it, you know, maybe maybe it's Chewie gone pissing in the cave, but then, you know, they see, show all these shots of animals and stuff like that, and Clay's like, we are in nature with animals and stuff like that. So it's kind of like we had this five-minute scene that Chewie gone is gross and is pissing in the cave, and then at the end of it, Clay's like, it's probably the animals. Yeah, so never mind what you just saw. That's okay, because we have recipes that are about to come soon. Oh, my God. The, whole, the next five minutes of Survivor is Helen just <laughs> telling you some butterscotch caramel bars or cashew bars. Oh, my God. This is fantastic. There's a lot of really, really funny stuff. But it kind of – she's just talking to everyone, talking about preheating the oven, getting these things, what I like to do. And sometimes I can throw raisins in there. And Aaron's like, see, I'm not much of a raisin. But Helen's just keep going. It's it's like Bubba from Forrest Gump. Just shrimp stew, shrimp soup, and it's- shrimp <laughs> – and it's just so funny because it even weaves its way. Like, what they really set this up well because it kind of is a theme to the rest of the season that every now and then you just kind of like get, you know, they, they'll throw all these little Helen recipe things in there. And, and Helen's just such an intense person. Like, and I don't know exactly what episode it's in, but, you know, she was, you know, she jumps on a recipe. She goes, and not cocoa mix, cocoa. Like, <laughs> like, heaven forbid you get the, you know, the, the repression that you could use a cocoa mix. I will tell you, there's there's one scene later. I think it's like two episodes down the road where it's a it's a perfectly serious and important strategy discussion. I forget who which characters are, but if you listen in the background, you can hear Helen giving a recipe to somebody, <laughs> and it cracks me up because they don't they don't focus on it. You just kind of hear it as ambient ambient noise in the background. And, and then, then they it have, cracks. They, they have this moment in this one too, where it's you know. Jake is, you know, giving the confessional and just like, oh, you know, Helen bugs me. She's just giving out constant recipes. And then you see this like thing. You hear her giving the recipes and then there's just these extreme close ups of all the men like Brian, just like (laughs) eyes and nose. Jake, like scratching his beard and stuff like that. And they're giving that music like that Indiana Jones creepy kind of like, you know, strings kind of like like, you know, like bugs are crawling all over you kind of thing. Like they're all going slowly insane because Helen will not shut up. And there's one point where they even show her correcting a recipe. She's like, you know, she goes, I was thinking about that last night. Yes, you do need such and such ingredient in that. They're like, okay, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, she'd been thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> it kept her up all night. By the way, I should point this out. This is something you will not get from any other Survivor podcast. So, you know, I know there's a bunch of Survivor podcasts out there. No one can match this from Survivor historians. A couple of years ago, I was writing Helen fan letter. We used to write to each other all the time. And, and I basically sent her a copy of one of my stories in exchange. She sent me the actual recipe she was talking about on Survivor Thailand, the cashew butterscotch bars. So if you would like a copy of Helen's super secret cashew butterscotch bars, just go to funny115.com and I'll have a link to it right there. And again, you will only get Helen's recipe for cashew bars from the Survivor historians. And you're welcome. Is it any good, though? I mean, they're, they're amazing. There's like freaking three sticks of butter in it. It's fantastic. Oh, well, yeah. I take that back. That's good. Yeah. And you, but you don't use cocoa or or the fake cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're uh, really good. My wife made them and they're absolutely really delicious. Awesome. Well, there you go, folks. Go uh, get a heart attack on us. Um, so then we go into this. This just kind of goes into the immunity challenge now. And this is uh we're we're merged now, right? No, we're not merged yet. No, definitely not. We've got the uh, we've got the uh, 
challenge now where it's the snorkel challenge. I like this one. It's it's all mental toughness. It's like they all had to go underneath the water and uh, breathe through the snorkel. Okay, but it's, biggest it's... biggest question. Sorry to interrupt, but why does Helen sit out of this challenge? I was just gonna get up to that. They sit Helen out of the challenge. That just who's like boggles Navy my mind. Well, maybe, maybe she was so mad about the Coco question that she couldn't focus. <laughs> maybe she was mad. Or, you know, Helen is, is a is, is good swimmer and all that sort of stuff, but maybe Helen thought you know, this is this is gonna be too much mentally for me or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I bet you I was just you compare her thing. to like Jan, like, okay, even if you're like not that confident about putting your mouth around a bamboo like, you know, breathing apparatus, you gotta think of okay, I'm at least gonna be better than smoker Jan. Oh, uh, yeah. So then uh, their cumulative time basically determines which tribe wins this event. Uh, and Helen sits out inexplicably. And uh, Penny is our winner at nine seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's like nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's just like. Yeah, it's funny because like, yeah, Penny's out at nine seconds. Ken's out at like ten. But then, you know, Ted and Clay are out at like 20 and 21 seconds. And it's down to Jake and Brian. And, you know. Uh, it, it's something where like Jake has to outlast Brian by 15 seconds for Soup Jai to win. But then you see the shot down there. I mean, the, the whole point of this is that they're in the snorkel thing and it doesn't fit quite right. So every once in a while, water will get in your mouth and you kind of got to spit it out the snorkel. So it's more mental than anything else. And that requires emotions. And, and, and Brian, you know, easily is okay with that and just can stay down there forever. He'd still be down there if they were still doing that challenge. Yeah, like they, uh, Jake comes up and, and Chewy Gun wins, and just like someone go down there and get him. <laughs> like Clay is like like patting him on the like, dude, dude, you know. And like Brian's just looking at him like, hey, what, what's going on? And wow, just, we won a challenge. Good. And I mean, I know we don't have any time or, or really desire to do the huge what if scenarios, but you just think about what a pivotal challenge this ends up being. You know, had things gone the other way, we enter a merge with four on four. So, I mean, this was a huge deal that Chewigan could pull out these last two wins. By the way, I have to point out that challenge in particular. That One of my all-time, I think I've mentioned this before, my favorite pieces of music, I call it the Lex Falls music. It's the one where Lex falls off the perch in the final immunity challenge in Africa. And it's There's a name for the piece of music. I just call it the Lex Falls music. But they play it in this challenge, too, right? When Jake you know, gets eliminated and comes up. It's the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. So it's, it's a really cool challenge. And that's a piece of music I wish they used more on the show. They kind of stopped around All-Stars using that music anymore. So you have that. Exactly. So they get back, and this is where they kind of have a nice little talk about how, you know, Chewy Gon's like, you know, and Clay's just like, oh, we have to sit there and pretend like, oh, you know, well well done, uh, and everything like that. It sucks you have to go to tribal council. We're so damn happy. It's unbelievable. And whatnot, and Suk Jai, and you know, I think Penny does does point it out where she says, it sucks because they can't really celebrate a win, and we can't feel too bad about it but Sukchai kind of goes off and they've got some really sad sad music and talking about it and this is this is you know the famous quote that we, we've said every once in a while where they're talking about what to do and Jake's you know and Penny says I think the four of us need to just sleep together one last time and Jake <laughs> says that sounds almost erotic that is yeah, well, how I, that is how middle school Paul Oslison learned what erotic meant mom what did he uh-uh. say <laughs> What I love about that scene is Jake is trying to play it off like it's a joke, but deep down you can tell it's really not a joke because there's a reason he kind of aligned with the hot young girls, I'm guessing. <laughs> so, I just love thinking that. Like, he's trying to play it off like a joke, but he's, it's really not a joke. He's like, yeah, let's all cuddle one last time with the hot, large-breasted Aaron. <laughs> Before we send her packing. Yeah, sure. I'm sure 60-year-old Jake will get plenty of times to cuddle with 20-year-old large-breasted girls again. 
And in an interlude, because we're going to get back to Sukjai being sad for each other and whatnot, we have uh, them deciding that they're going to kill their last chicken. And what's funny about this is this real quick thing, and, and you get this you get the whole chicken killing. Like, they're not showing Jake physically wringing the neck, but you, the camera's on him, just kind of like from the waist up and stuff like that. So you do get the whole 30 seconds to a minute of, of chicken death throws, which is interesting in and of itself. But you t- you look at the the faces. You know, Jake is giving this, like, speech, this, this Dalai Lama reincarnated kind of stuff, and Jan is right there with him, and Jan is just looking so put out that this animal's going to die. But everyone, Brian's just staring off like, yep, and Penny's looking around like, yep, and Clay's just got the biggest shit-eating grin on his face like, hell yeah, kill that thing! And and, and Ted's doing push-ups because he doesn't want to think about it, and Jake kills this thing, and, I'm, and Jan is just... She's just bawling her eyes out, but she gives this confessional about how how it's great. You know, Ted's giving a confessional like, "I don't want to see the whole food making process." And Jan's like, "No, it was good that we killed the chicken, but at the time, Jan was bawling her eyes out." And then she gets to bury the feet because because Oscar, Oliver, the bat, and this chicken, Lucky, need to be friends. <laughs> I was just thinking. One of the things that would make any Survivor scene better is cut to Clay Jordan for a reaction shot to anything that happens on Survivor. I was just watching this episode the other day, and yeah, like you said, every time they cut to Clay, it's gold. <laughs> I mean, it's... just kill it and eat it. It's not that big a deal. Because <laughs> everyone else, you know, there's there's faces of indifference, and you can see Ted is... Ted, Ted doesn't really want to think about it, so he's just doing push-ups. Everyone's just kind of like maudlin, 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 yes. maudlin. You get to Ted and Ted, or sorry, to Clay, and Clay's just like reclining back, like arms behind his head, just with this huge fat grin on his face. It's great. <laughs> I love Clay. <laughs> and then Jan buries the feet. I guess they couldn't eat the feet because they were burned. They were burned pretty bad. Burned pretty bad, Terry. Thank you. Call back. All back reference, and then sad, sad tribal council is sad, and 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 Sukjai is sad, and they talk about how sad it is. And Aaron, the hottest chick on the season, goes home. Mario, what do you want to say about this? I just want to say that again, yeah, they they have the immunity challenge. They they uh, you know they come back to camp, and there's literally thirty five minutes, forty minutes of character scenes, and it's not even strategy scenes like you get on Survivor kind of in later years where they talk about the vote, how it turns, how it's doing this, we're going to backstab. Like it's really just four people bummed over the fact that they got to break up the group that they thought was going to be the final four. And I'm kind of going through my notes here when I was watching this episode, and this is a sentence that I love. I said, I love this episode in particular because it's one of the few times that I think the audience at home can understand what Survivor is like. This is one of the few times that I think, you know, we watch the show on TV, we see all the machinations, we see, we think we understand Survivor, but you can't possibly understand it unless you're playing it. And this is one of the few times that I think the curtain has kind of been pulled back and you see what it is like on a day-to-day basis to have to vote out your friends. And this is the one episode that I've always said did it right. Well, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool because it's almost like we get to the perspective of of one of these four Suchai members. Like, we get the perspective of Aaron. We have no more insight than Aaron does going into this episode about who's going to get voted off. We know absolutely nothing about who's going to vote with who going into. So when Aaron is gone, it's just as big a shock to us as it is to Aaron, which one of the four leaves. Right, because you see them talking, and they're like, do we want to talk about who we're voting out? I don't know. Yeah, no. So they have talks about it, but they just kind of go, and, and, and no one is really, I mean, they're all sad, but Aaron goes, and she's not, like, really upset at her tribe. It was just the fact that the four of them had to make a decision. And I, I should point out, there's a very <clears throat> underrated scene, kind of right before all that sadness, where, 
you know, Jake is just totally devastated that he lost that immunity challenge for his tribe. Like it was all on his shoulders. He knew this was the game he lost against Brian and he's just breaking down inside that cave. And, and like for a guy like Jake, this adventurer, this ra- land rancher from Texas to break down in tears in front of like girls like that would never happen in real life. And there's this great scene where Aaron has to go and console him and cheer him up. And and that's a scene that I think a lot of people forget about. And I, I it always jumps out at me when I watch this episode. Like, that was a cool scene. And I'm glad that's in there because you might not care about Sukjai up to this point in the season. But that scene right there, I think, really makes you kind of feel for what Sukjai is going through. And just another nerd thing, like, like to point out little nerd things that we like. It's really interesting the way they have the the actual physical layout of the tribal council in Thailand. I, I'm pretty sure it's the only season that the the way it's set up at tribal council when the person gets voted off, they actually have to kind of walk past um, the people sitting down, and so it's kind of almost like you know it's a little hard harder to avoid them. Like normally, you can just kind of you know book it right out there with your back to the contestants, right. but but you have to kind of walk by and like face these people again as you're walking out there. And so it's actually you know like Mario said, like a Sukjai or not, you know you, you feel bad for them, and you kind of get that last final moment that even after Aaron's torch is snuffed, she walks by and gives each one of the three members a hug on her way on her way out, which I think is a pretty cool scene. Yep. Yeah, and I was going to there's very few episodes that can kind of make me tear up. And this one always comes pretty close. And it's the shot where they're getting ready for the vote reveal. And they're all sitting there with the holding hands. And, like, you do not see that much on Survivor. This, I just think, again, I just think this is a really cool episode. And it always breaks my heart when I see how often this one gets trashed. And it's, and again, I can't give the producers too much credit because I know they don't like to have that little strategy in an episode. But just because of the structure of this one, because they weren't merged yet, because there was only one challenge, they... They had to fill 40 minutes of airtime, and they opted just to go for character and emotion scenes. And I really wish they did that more on Survivor, because this is one that always stands out as being just an excellent TV episode. But when you think about it, there's really two interpretations of that tribal council. One interpretation is what we saw. Sukjai is sad. They're holding hands. Aaron gets voted out. They hug. They leave. The other interpretation is the beginning of episode nine, and Chewigan is interpreting what tribal council is like for Sukjai. Complete with impersonations oh yeah Heidek, he's mocking them they're all right. <laughs> yeah wasn't it brian and mocking ken like yo yo, yo i'm gonna get all the bitches yo yo how's my hair <laughs> I'm, I'm one of new york's finest we get the bitches yeah, i'm quite surprised they showed that up in uh, that scene in the episode by the way since we were you know making uh, heroes out of all New York City police officers right around this time in history. So I'm quite surprised they that's, showed Heidek mocking Ken. I mean, that's one of the first things they ask. Uh, they show that scene and ask Ken about that uh, when he does his early show interview in the next episode. I mean, that was something that was kind of like, oh, really? Yeah, that was, that was an odd scene for them to include. And I, I have to think the only reason they do that is to make Brian look more scummy and like a villain. Because I know they're really trying to build him up as a villain. Yeah, because 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 they have Jan, you know, kind of doing the the penny thing. Ah, I'm a cheerleader, but it's it's all very lighthearted and in good fun. And then Brian just like just yeah, that's out of that's out of left field. It's really <laughs> weird because because it's. I mean, I mean, look, Brian spent more time out there with Ken than we have, obviously. But that is it, it's it's you know there's jokes and then there's just just dogging somebody. I mean, it is really not. It, it's uncomfortable almost. You're like, wow, that is way personally not funny well, yeah and it, even, it will not go ahead. i was just gonna say but helen does get a good line in there about she's playing penny in there and she goes um well i think i'm gonna have to take a knife out and stab my stab my friend uh, aaron in the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah helen very, again very underrated funny character helen's quite witty 
Although this is the scene, this is the episode where she sings, right? She does "Are You Lonesome Tonight." Yep, we're gonna. Yep, that's kind of in the next thing where where Clay is talking about, you know, because we're we're setting it up. We're gonna get our first family thing. I know we can't wait, and we got to get into this, but we're, we're kind of preluding the. You know, they always talk about it. It's how they do it, especially in these early seasons of Survivor, just before we get some family interaction via the loved one tapes or the loved ones coming out, starting in Marquesas uh, and whatnot. We get we get them talking about how they miss home and stuff like that, and Clay is at night reminiscing and saying you know my you know my child said that whenever i felt bad just look up at the stars and i'll you know you can grab all the strength from me and stuff like that and then ted's like you gonna cry clay no and then helen starts singing are you lonesome tonight and then the music actually comes in it's really really awesome scene i was gonna say okay jay works in musical theater he runs a production of uh, actors Tell, does Helen have a good singing voice or not? I've heard mixed reviews of her over the years from Survivor fans. Helen is what we call – Helen is on key. Yeah. Which which is half the battle and stuff like that. Is, Helen in a, is Helen's technique good? No. But – it's like me. I'm not. The, I'm not the greatest singer in the world, and I could. I could sing on key. You know, when I'm really, really thinking about it. But uh, my wife is a fantastic singer. She's got technique in, in you know, all these sorts of training, sorts of things. Helen doesn't have it. But Helen, when Helen is singing, I'm not offended. Let's put it that way. I would like to point out that's one of the few times in Survivor history where CBS you know, uh, paid the rights to an actual right. song being used on the show. In fact, I remember when Thailand was coming out on, on DVD, a lot of people were concerned that they wouldn't be able to show that scene on DVD because they'd have to pay for the rights again. But it's on the DVD, it's on there. And yeah, that's one of the few times in Survivor history where they have an actual song playing. And I think it's really cool because like you said, it's a really kind of powerful scene. Yes. It's a powerful scene. And at the end, you know, Ted's like, Clay, are you crying? Oh, he's crying. You got him. <laughs> yes. It's good. And smashed in between, and I don't, we don't, I know we're trying to move through here and get through all this stuff, but this is where Jake is starting to work his magic and he's telling all his fun Jake stories <laughs> and stuff like that, where Clay's just like, I'm tired of his Roy Rogers stories. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling the one about how. He's, if he thinks we're buying that sure buying that shit, he's crazy. <laughs> he ain't getting shit from this one. <laughs> but I think my favorite one is the confessional from Ted in the middle. It's the middle yeah. where he's telling the paradropping story of how he they inadvertently landed in the airfield. And he's like, I don't know about that one. I'm not buying that. In the middle of it, isn't that like a violation of the FAA or something? <laughs> well, that confessional in particular always strikes me as I don't think Ted has much of a sense of humor. Just the way he kind of reels off that FAA stuff, it's completely humorless his story. And it's just, it's just a little character detail I always kind of pick up from listening to Ted talk. But. We get Helen singing Are You Lonesome Tonight, Clay cries, and that gets us to the next day. We have a reward, and this reward, they merge, first of all. They merge, woohoo, the actual merge, they get buffs, hooray. The, <laughs> the best part about the actual merge is when he, you know, they go through the description of the, of the challenge and stuff, they show the videos and stuff, and Jeff opens up the thing with the buffs in there, and he says, you know, I bet you uh, are, you know, assuming that uh, these new buffs are for your new tribe, and then like, sh- does a close-up of Jan shaking her head. No. <laughs> She's like, no, no. no. <laughs> He's like, finally, an assumption that's right. You're merged, but yes, we're going to get VHS tapes. <laughs> yes. All the excitement about the merge is going to be quickly overshadowed when we get to meet CC Heideck. So we get a we get a uh we get the we get the 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 glimpse of everyone's tape from home and you know Penny's got her fiance and a whole gaggle of people and Helen is freaking out about Kiki. 
Yes, that's right. That's where, yeah, Helen, oh, it's my husband. Oh, it's my my daughter. Is it her daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then she gets really happy when she sees Kiki the cat, and she starts doing Helen things where she's, like, giggling and jumping up and down and stuff. And then we we get we get all the we get all the previews and then we run a challenge and the challenge is kind of they got split up into random pairs they had to kind of work a little obstacle course put a ball through a net kind of stuff uh, and and then the winners had to assemble a puzzle and uh, the heats go off Brian and Helen basically go in the finals Brian wins reward he gets to sit down with a glass that he shares with everyone and then he gets to watch the whole tape and what's great is that he's excited. He's always kind of in this automatic mode. Not, something about Brian, it's it's just the way he works. Whenever Brian wins an immunity or a challenge or something like that, he always, you hear me, always says, thank you, I appreciate it, thank you, and all that things. And he's kind of in automatic mode. He wins the challenge, and he's like, thank you, I appreciate it, thank you. And then they sit down at the little hut, and then Jeff gives him the, the drink, and he's like, thank you, I appreciate it, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hand this around. And then Jeff's like, here's your tape. I'm going to put your tape in. And then you see Brian's face just, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I've seen C.C. Heideck movies. I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I should point out, you skipped over that immunity challenge, but there's a great scene of Jan falling down that I know Paul must have loved. I was, I'm so glad you brought that up because, <laughs> okay, I mean, you even get them t- tumbling down cargo nets and stuff. Oh, man, it's it's great. Helen, work in that fishnet. <laughs> work in that fishnet, yeah. All right, C.C., we'll move on to C.C. <laughs> so, okay, I got to point this out. When uh, Brian was announced as a as a contestant on Survivor Thailand, it was I don't think CBS knew that he was a former adult film star. And if people on like the internet, Survivor sucks, picked it up right away. Hey, this guy was a porn star. And but it was funny is if you looked him up, he had an actress wife named Cece who was a way bigger star than he was. Brian was a, considered a minor adult film star, but Cece was considered a major adult film star. So. All season long, if you were following Survivor back then, you were thinking, oh, man, I hope they get to the loved ones because we get to see Brian's porn star wife. <laughs> and so it was funny because she lives up to exactly what you're expecting. And then she, like Jay she said, she shows up and Brian's face just drops because he's like, I don't really want to see this because he even tells the other players. She's like, watch out. My wife's crazy. <laughs> he, he says, I apologize if she does anything embarrassing. Uh, you know, she's a little crazy. And then so we get her and she's like, hey, if you're seeing this, it means you won. Whatever, here we are, we're good. Now we're gonna go downstairs and dance. <laughs> and then I love- we get the confessional there. She kept her clothes on, which I was happy about. <laughs> she kept her clothes on. I was just gonna say that. He says that's so matter of factly too. He's not kidding. He's like, Well, she kept her clothes on, so that was good. <laughs> and then she yeah, after we get the dance and, and you, you get you get some good shots of Clay looking at this video like, holy crap. <laughs> and I think he says, you know, she's a fox or something like that. She's, she's, that- yeah, she's fit for the bikinis. <laughs> So get the thing of them, you know, she's dancing with the kid, you know, she, like they got the music, she's got the kid in her arms and she's dancing. And then all of a sudden she puts the kid down so that she could shake her ass, <laughs> like turn around and literally shake her ass at the camera. All time greatest loved one video from home ever. <laughs> it, There's it, no it, emotion in it whatsoever. Now, here's another good idea. Let's show off every expensive piece, <laughs> every object we own in this house that is, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, here's your grand piano that we miss you playing. Here's the beater. Here's the car. Caddy, caddy, caddy. Just like, not even just like to get a glimpse of it, but to like really play it up. Like, look what we have. 
And then, and then, and then at the end, she's like, "I hope you come home with the million dollars so that we can go to Fiji, <laughs> so, so that we can all go to Fiji." Mwah! And they just like are doing this like this intense music going in the background. You just get these like intense like looks on Jan's face, on Helen's face. It's great. Yeah, wouldn't that wouldn't that have been the greatest scene in driver history if that would have cost Brian if he would have been voted out just because of his loved one video? Yeah. Oh man, would that have been classic? And I doubt I doubt it ever would have happened. They kind of built it up in the episode where Helen says, "If I was against Brian, I would have voted him out because of that video." Or because now that I see what he what he has, although if you listen, she says, "If I was against Brian," so she's not against him. But yeah, they built it up in the episode. But that just would have been classic if CC bragging about how awesome and rich Brian is would have got him voted out. <laughs> Nope. But yeah. So there's our first glimpse of Cece, and thankfully she's going to come back. <laughs> but, for, <laughs> but for now, we're done. <laughs> we're done with Cece. She made an incredibly great video. It beats Greg's sister in incest jokes. I mean, it is fantastic. And uh, we, we get to the next scene, and this next scene, pay attention, boys and girls, this is the end of the game because stuff's going on at camp. Ted can't take it anymore. Ted just gets in the boat, and he paddles out there and says, I need my alone time. And everyone says, man, Ted needs his alone time. And Clay and Brian are sitting there, and they're like, boy, Ted needed his alone time. You know, it should be you and me going to the end. <laughs> yes. And there it is, folks. That's it. Right That's there. it. That's the game. Although I have to think that Brian probably had a final two. I mean, he had a final two with everybody, I think, at a certain point. But he must have known at this point that Clay was the one that no one would ever vote for to win. So I can't imagine why he would have taken anybody over Clay to the end. No. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to the end there and whatnot but that's this is the first time where we have verbalized on the tv for us at home that brian's like yep probably want to take clay to the end i'm looking out for number one and what's funny is i didn't even notice that in my notes i'm looking through all my notes when i was watching this episode i didn't even notice that was where the game ends because i was so excited about cc still <laughs> <laughs> you and clay i know Stay i feel like clay i mean that's the second best cc video i've ever seen after the sex executioner <laughs> Uh, the sexy mentalist. So we get to our first merge challenge, and it's basically memorizing tie numbers. And then the finalists get to run a little memorize tie numbers and letters thing where they have to go kind of navigate uh, in tie these different things and dig up some letters and stuff like that. And Clay crushes it because Clay is a beast. <laughs> Clay is that would the, be the smartest old- one out of all of them. <laughs> Can you look at Clay and look at Ken and think at one comp- think of one competition where Clay would absolutely decimate Ken, and they found the one thing on the place, face of the earth that Clay would destroy Ken in. <laughs> Poor Ken. I know Ken. It's like ten to one. He loses to Clay ten to one. <laughs> and, and you know this is the challenge that Ken really needs it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Clay is on his second one. Clay is on his third one. Clay is on his fourth one. Ken. And Ken wrong again. <laughs> CC, she was the muse. She gave Clay the strength. She's like Helen of Troy. <laughs> uh, and Clay just kills him. I mean, it's not even close. And Clay wins. And hooray, more Chewy gone good stuff. But now we're going to go to Tribal Council. We're going to vote out our first merge member, even though Aaron is the first member of the jury. Yep. But see you, Ken. <laughs> see you, Ken. Because they're all like, wow, Ken, why are you still here? Yeah, see ya. <laughs> I have nothing more to say about that other than I guess well, Ken was next. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but the important thing to know here that that goes into the next episode is that, you know, Clay is kind of the one here who really, or at least is the one who's most vocal about it, about getting these these Sukjai members to put their votes on Ted, which, you know, I mean, knowing Ted is someone that, 
you know, feeling some kind of feeling on the outs, he could be potentially one that, you know, they were kind of looking at maybe to team up with or do something with or, you know, he wasn't he wasn't in this the core group. You know, I mean, it was brilliant to make him vote for them. That really immediately turned Ted off immediately to all three of those Sukjai members, eliminates any possibility of Ted working with them. So good work on Clay and Brian on that one. And this is always why I suggest people watch Survivor in order because, you know, people jump around and, and there's no context for this because I'm glad you mentioned that they threw their votes onto Ted because they did talk to Clay and Clay's like, ah, maybe Ted, I don't know. And, and they, they voted for Ted. So, so the, the Chewy or the Soup Jai votes went to Ted, but Ken gets voted out. But at the beginning of the next episode, um, Ted is sitting there going like, damn, they all voted for me. I wonder why they all voted for me. Like it didn't matter, but, but I, I, I it just kind of bugs me. And, I think he goes to Jake, and Jake's like, well, you know, we were told to, to vote for you, and maybe the votes were going to go your way. And, and Ted kind of, he, he gets paranoid about it, and then he's just like, nah, it's okay. We're all good. But he's starting to think this thing, and then there's, there's conversations later. But this is why you watch it in order, where, you know, what Rob C. does in Amazon, and we'll get there, and we're going to talk a whole shit ton of Sesternino, I know. But this talk about being able to shake things up within a majority alliance, it starts here. It doesn't happen here, but they're starting you can see the wheels starting to turn on this kind of kind of train. And I think that they are showing you that these survivors are starting to evolve. They just don't have the the situation and the charisma to do it. And Brian, I think, just had everybody so snowed that it didn't matter. Yeah, you know, Clay came awfully close. He I mean he's a very underrated player when it comes to like the jury management. Yeah, he I mean, talks about it a lot. Yeah, he snuck three votes in there that he had no business getting. Clay did all right, and 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 people are starting to think this way, and and all that sort of stuff. Even though Brian says, you know, hey, why why would they why why would Ted go? This is a bad business decision. Yep, totally agree. But we get to the next episode, and even though we don't have a shit ton to talk about on all these other things, we do have to talk about an elephant reward challenge. <laughs> Yeah, this is the one where what they have the uh, four-stage obstacle course, and at one point, I think Jan falls down again, and I know Paul oh, is just... Oh, man, I just was <laughs> waiting for this challenge. You know, one of the best things they ever had was that the, that blown bridge challenge again that you get that Jan steps on the uneasy board. It collapses. She falls right through the ground, and we get a you know another classic Jeff, <gasps> ooh, you know, type yeah, of the, face there. And then and there's also a great moment for Helen there, too. He goes, got to go back to the start. She goes, back to the start? Yes, Helen, go now. <laughs> Real Coco, Helen. <laughs> and Jeff Probst drops a lot of babies in this thing because he's just like, well, you're going to go on this elephant challenge. It's a one-of-life type thing. And let me tell you, you don't have to pay it because Visa, baby. Visa <laughs> picking up check. He's holding up. It's, it's the whole, like, I have, I've got the Visa card and stuff like that. And then Brian wins. And he's like, get over here, baby. Get this card. It's like, Jeff, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, he's turning into a hipster for one season. Oh, well, there's, and there's also a good, uh, you know, another example here of uh, Petty being a cold-hearted bitch and not, not teaming up with Jake. And uh, Jake gets eliminated right off the bat because he doesn't have a partner. Yeah, yeah someone's going to get eliminated because you have to partner up. And Jake's the odd man out. And you just see him, and he's just he's like... like run, he's like running with them, like, where's my partner? <laughs> yeah, wasn't I in a two-person alliance five minutes ago? What happened? Yes, this <laughs> He just looks like someone shot his dog. He's just like, oh, <laughs> damn it. I got to point out something about this challenge. At the very end, when Brian wins, one of my very favorite things about Brian is when he wins a challenge, his slow, cocky walk to the finish line. He does it every time. 
He doesn't celebrate. He doesn't look happy. He just kind of slows down and walks across the finish line. And I always laugh about that. Like, either this guy is very good at social politics and he knows not to celebrate in front of people, or he's just got this ice water in his veins and he knows he's a badass. So just whenever you watch Thailand, watch for Brian's cocky walk across the finish line. Yeah, and he wins, and Jeff's like, Brian, you win. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Every time. You know, it's just it's like automatic. <laughs> He's even playing Jeff for jury votes. Uh-huh. He's trying to get probes to vote. So then, you know, Brian and Clay, because you kind of had to partner up in this thing, Brian and Clay were partners in this thing, and Brian decides to take Clay because of, he says it. He says, I, I couldn't be here without, I couldn't have accomplished this without someone, so I'm going to take Clay. But you're thinking, like, Ted, he, he partnered with Clay. He's taking Clay on the reward. Ted, Ted, it's not you, Ted. Ted, <laughs> yeah. It's not, no, I'm good. So, you know, that's just one thing there. But they get to go on the reward and they get the cha-ching. They actually use the Visa card. That just cracks my shit up. Sorry. I also love that they get on the elephant and the very first thing that Clay does is is comment on the elephant's ass. I'm like, that's so Clay. (laughs) (laughs) The trip of a lifetime, the most beautiful scenery they've ever seen. And Clay's first comment is on the size of the elephant's ass. Of course. And then he's ragging on Brian because Brian is clearly uncomfortable at the top of this elephant and he's hanging on for dear life and he's, he's kind of in the position. <laughs> Clay's just like, Brian was on go for the whole two hours. He was going to jump right off in any case of trouble. Well, yeah, it's funny. Like, Brian has no emotions whatsoever. Nothing bothers him. Nothing phases him. He never gets knocked off his game. The one thing that ever has rattled him in Survivor history is being on top of an elephant on a reward. Like, what is the deal? Like, sociopaths aren't supposed to be able to feel emotion. Here's Brian just completely freaked out that he's on an elephant ride, which my 10-year-old son has been on elephant rides, and it doesn't even bother him. And logically, what are you going to do? Like, you can't really jump clear of the path of an elephant who might, like, top. Like, if you're jumping clear, it's because the elephant's, like, falling over or something like that. What what are you going to do by jumping 20 feet in the air? Like, the elephant will probably crush you anyway. Or if the elephant's going down, are you really going to have time then to kind of do a cool ninja leap off this elephant? Like, that was really dumb. You're just, you're good or you're going to die. Just, just yeah. go with it, Brian. Come on. Just, just hang on. Elephants know how to walk, Brian. They'll be okay. So, <laughs> and clay bags on them. So then they get the, they, they, they're getting their, their fun meal and stuff like that. And this is like the all-time smuggle of smuggles. I mean, they smuggle fucking everything away from this feast. <laughs> Yeah, they bring back Helen some uh, ingredients for recipes. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Jan gets her beer, which is always good. Yeah, and then Jan starts talking about putting a nipple on the I, beer. I need a nipple on this. I can't tell you how uncomfortable I am with Jan talking about nipples. <laughs> and if you, but well, I got to point out when they come back to shore, I put a little star next to it on my on my notes. One of my favorite quotes of the season, where Brian says they're coming back from the reward and they see all the players coming out to meet them. And Brian says, what is it, like a bunch of lost sheep looking for their master. And then he kind of chuckles at the camera. Yeah, that is such a hide-it quote. Right. And and also, if anyone was confused as to who the young, cute girl of the season is, Penny takes a little bit of the soup and says, oh my god, it's so good. Oh, she says that? I didn't catch that. Oh, she does. It's Oh, wow. So... Mark that down, boys and girls. But even even smuggled into this whole uh, Brian and Clay reward, they steal a bunch of food, they come back. Helen and Jake are talking, and Jake's like, you know, it's Brian and Clay. <laughs> and Helen's like, eh, and stuff like that. Like, Jake, Jake and Penny, for their credit, I mean, they're trying to work it. They're trying to upset the apple cart here. They're trying to get the bottom to flip on the top because Jake and Penny, like, they're all seeing that Brian and Clay are kind of like this nucleus of power. But, you know, Ted and Helen are just not really receptive to it. But we're talking about it. It's going to happen, folks, at some yeah. point. 
I got to point this out. I'm glad you you mentioned that because I wanted to say after watching these last this is my last run through on Thailand that Chewy Gon is a very underrated tribe. They never you never hear anybody mention them as one of the best alliances or best uh, tribes in Survivor history. But they will not crack. I don't know if that's just because of Brian or because they're older and they're more mature and they're not like spontaneous. But they will. I mean, Jake and Penny are trying everything to crack and nobody on Chewy Gun will bend or tell them anything and it's it's amazing when you watch it so i was wanted to point out that Chewy Gun's one of the more underrated alliances and i think it probably has to do with them being a little older and being less impulsive that they're just going to stick together until the end just because that's because of the way they planned it and it, they, they really do hold together very well and they even say at some point i don't even know who they're they're so secretive it's, there they are they're not they're they're sticking together which yep. is great for brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's a great quote in there from Clay, again, talking about how Clay is an underrated player, where Clay says something like, you know, that a soup child come up and ask me who my final four is. And he says, whoever they whoever asked me, I just put their name in my final four and kick out one of our guys. He goes, I do it every single time someone asks me. I've been doing it all game. And it's really, again, again it's underrated character player in, in Clay. I've done it every single time. I've done it with every single one. And I will continue to do it. He's like he said, he'd be stupid for him to tell Penny, no, you're not in the final four. So um, <laughs> Clay, uh, Clay's a little sharper when it comes to the game than uh, you might think. Yeah. But then we get, a, we get the immunity challenge. It's, the, um, it's the, the trivia one where you have to answer trivia questions. And instead of coconut chops, it's torches that they have to snuff. And it's at nighttime, which is a nice little visual. But they've learned from our cases. They spread <laughs> the love around. Absolutely. Like you said, the players learn. Yeah, from one season to another, they learn what not to do. Don't screw up and play your hand too early. And gives the opportunity for Petty to, you know, be a heartless bitch again. (laughs) Yep, there she is. Jake, and again, someone shot Jake's dog. He's like, oh, what the what? Damn it! (laughs) Yeah, poor Jake. Uh, I was in an alliance. I had a friend. What happened? So they do the thing. Um, Helen wins. Helen wins. Yeah, she does Helen. Helen more more of Helen doing Helen things where she's giggling and clapping, jumping up and down, very girly, which is which is kind of you know, Helen is just an enigma because she's so rigid and tough, and you know I am I am gonna stick up and strong female everywhere, and then she'll you know rattle off recipes for four hours and then <laughs> jump up and down like you know like a school child because she wants to get me. And again, I have to point out when she sees her cat Kiki, how she just completely loses it. She loses her shit. It's great. And then, but this is where we lose Penny, right? We lose Penny, and again, funny little uh, twitch of the editors. Jake's talking about. It. He says, "You know, I don't think there's much of a chance. Uh, I, I think the fat lady sings. It's not over till the fat lady sings. But I think I could hear her warming up." And then, smash cut to Ted getting his torch at Tribal Council, going, "Ma, ma, ma, ma." That's not something I noticed. That just very recently that they did that. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Again, it's the love they put into it. That's just fantastic. That's funny. That's why this is such a funny season. Just little stuff like that. Like maybe you didn't overtly notice it, but your brain does on some level. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where where Penny gets voted out, but Clay won't vote for her because he's like trying to win her jury vote, which comes. It doesn't come up, I think, until the reunion show where Clay admits that. But a lot of people think, why did why didn't Clay vote for Penny? Like, was he just out of the loop? And I'm like, no, he knew he was exactly in the loop. He's playing the jury. Look at us. We're moving right along. I love it. Yeah, well, look at this. We may actually finish this in less than three hours, people. Holy shit. <laughs> Let's go on. We get to episode 11. And episode 11 is fun because we don't have to, like, there's episode 10 and even 9, I felt, were really full of, like, subtle 
again, looking at what it's like to be a survivor and what seeing this kind of evolution of strategy, even though Brian and, and Chewie Gun kind of shut it down, we're starting to see this talk. But episode 11, there's not a whole ton of it. But, but, but episode 11, folks, CC Heidek. I hear CC. I hear theme music. What's that? That's CC's theme music. She's coming. And she is fit for the bikinis, as we will see. <laughs> One of the greatest moments in this whole season is where she comes out of the jungle and Clay gets so excited and pops a little Clay boner. <laughs> Just wa- Every time I watch Thailand, I have to watch for this episode. Where the loved ones start unexpectedly coming out of the jungle, and there's CC, and Clay's dreams just came true. Yep. So, they, so they get to this challenge. They all kind of sit up in the, on the on the dais, and this is, you know, it, it seems cruel. At the end, it's a good payoff, but at the time, it, it seemed really cruel because Jeff's like, "All right, here's your loved ones," and they start coming out one on one. But he's like, "This is the thing. You can't hug them. You can't do anything. They just have to stand over on this side over there." So then you get the whole like. You know, they're kind of reaching for each other, but they can't get there. Uh, you know, Cece comes in. Clay's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And his wife comes in, and Jan, and, and I, I love the, the thing where, like, Jan's son comes in, and Jan goes, ah, he found it. <laughs> yeah, wow. But he's going to get lost. Exactly. You know, CBS pays for it and flies him here, right, Jan? <laughs> ah, he, he, he found it. <laughs> it's fantastic. He's not a cartographer, Jan. He didn't have to sail here himself. So, then, but then, it, this is the first time where the loved ones competed in the challenge instead of the players, or did they do that in Marquesas? I'm forgetting. Well, Marquesas, they were. Did they have to do the? Because Marquesas, they were put on that board and they did. Yeah, that. yes, yeah. The players, the, the 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 loved ones, just did that. Did that instead. So this this was the first one where the loved ones had to eat the gross food. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a gross food challenge. The loved ones have to eat the gross food. Uh, and whatnot, and and they're like, oh, oh, and the survivors are like, oh, oh. and uh, the the first the first round is ants, like a couple like dead ants on a little spoon, mm-hmm. and then, and and of course, the star of this one is Cece. <laughs> you know, I yeah, as much as you say the star is is this is Cece on this one, I have to point out Helen in this scene who kills me every time. No, no. Helen's husband's gonna gonna take it over, but the ant round is all CC. Oh yeah, where she where she does a little thumb dance and Clay, of course, and Clay loves little, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she got it going on now. <laughs> like, he's a little too excited, considering the fact that his wife is there. His wife's there. He's like, I love you, wife. But holy shit, look at the big boob chick. Yeah, she's doing a boob, boob dance. Well, it's funny how this whole challenge, like we say, it starts out. It starts out now so. Um... Like so playful, like you know, it's we're rooting each other on, and we have this you know big bikini porn star eating some ants, kind of you know giving herself some ideas for some new movies that she's gonna do, and um, you know, then we, as we speed up these rounds, it's gonna get more and more intense. <laughs> the second one is like this water bug, and it's great because they bring out the water bug, and all of the all the loved ones are like, "Oh, fucking gross!" And then you cut over to the the survivors' bench, and Helen is now Helen is there, and this is where she snaps and goes, "Hey, hey, hey!" And if you look at the layout, she's physically the closest to her loved one out of anybody. She can almost reach out and touch him. Yeah, because Jim's right at the end, and she's right at the end. So she says, "Hey, you, hey, hey!" <laughs> yeah, she almost goes over there and punches him. Did we lose you, Paul? No, I'm still here. Okay, good. He's got it going on now. <laughs> he got it going on. I got it going on. So oh, we can... I love the I love the irony. I should point out here that that Cece Heidek cannot take disgusting things down her throat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you <laughs> made you. that joke because I was thinking about it and just going. She around. only guys. She only does it professionally. Okay, not in her free life. <laughs> 
Although it was funny, I was I was watching this uh, I was watching the season with my wife not too too long ago, a couple months ago or so, and we get to this challenge and they get to that ants in the water bug and she looks at me and says, "I'm not eating any of this shit." So Stacey Heideck is one better than me because I wouldn't have eaten the spoonful of ants. And I'm sitting there going like, "I wouldn't want you to." I would literally just say, "Don't even bother." Wait, did your wife just publicly give you permission to choose Cece over her? Absolutely. I, that's File how- that away. Well, I'll get that on in writing. In writing? This is a podcast. This is <laughs> legal and binding, right? All right. All right, he's got it going on now. Got it going on now. So <laughs> we go through, there. there's live grubs, hooray. And uh, even though even though uh, Helen interacting with her husband saying, you need to get that down. You need to get it down. You just swallow, please, just, just swallow it. Come on, Jim, come on. Ugh! And stuff like that. Jake's wife is just trooping through this thing. <laughs> you feel bad because ultimately she gets all the way to the end and doesn't win. But man, she is just going for it, man. Yeah, it's funny. She would have kept going. I mean, she would, they could have thrown anything in there like, Eat this pile of shit. And she's like, all right. And Jim didn't want to. Jim didn't want to eat any of that, but Helen basically bullied him into doing it. <laughs> yeah, Helen won that challenge for sure. Yep. And, and if you're keeping score at home, big Jeff Probst dick moment, because they finally get to uh, <laughs> sort of the last thing. In, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, or whatever, and they're like, oh, my God. And he's got this live one. He's like, it's a tarantula. Hmm? Yeah, it's uh, pretty big. It's alive there. It's running around. I'm trying to get it to jump on my arm. Pretty hairy. Yeah. You're well, not going to eat them. This one's dead. Or these ones are dead. I mean, it's like, Jesus, Jeff. What and then he just, he's just like a dick when they're like trying to eat him down there. He's like, because you guys are taking way too long, yeah. way too long. Someone's going to swallow this before you. You're taking way too long. Does he teach a class on eating a tarantula? Does he know the optimal way to do it? Yeah, he's, he's like all up in the grill. He's like, what is going on, you people? Ugh. Why haven't you eaten it, eating it, you losers? Come on, hurry up. But then... Uh, they both get the tarantula down, and these are kind of untimed things. It's just basically, can you eat this thing? And uh, Helen is bullying her husband into eating everything, and Jake's wife is just a trooper. And so both of them make it kind of to the end, and so Jeff pulls out a frickin' scorpion and says, eat this shit, and whoever can get it down, you know, the fastest wins. And, well, Helen has yelled at her husband and said, please, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> please, Jimmy, please, please, please. And he does yeah, I love when please can sound threatening, but somehow she manages to do it. <laughs> so Helen's husband wins, and it's really sad because, as Jeff explained, they couldn't hug their loved one coming in, and then when they left, they couldn't hug them going out. And so, you know, Jake and his wife are just having this touching moment, and Jake's wife's going through everything to get there to Jake, and then, he, you know, Jeff's like, well, see you later. <laughs> and Heidi's over there going, thank God my loved one didn't win. <laughs> Uh, so let me get Jim and it's really funny because he has this great thing where they come back into hell and showing and he's like god you know they're like they're sitting over here they're so proud of it like this is where we eat and these are our dishes and stuff like that and I'm just like get me out of here get me to a hotel <laughs> I love that Jim had a he has a wimpy little whiny voice and I love imitating him he's like well I didn't come here to <laughs> I don't want to do this Helen didn't come here to finish third <laughs> which she doesn't she, she finishes fourth spoiler <laughs> damn you but he, he compliments her and says wow she's adapted really well out there i mean helen's badass i mean we've 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 talked a lot about helen and i think that a lot of it is some fun poking at, at helen's way helen is freaking amazing helen was a great character on this show and then jim says yeah she's not like this at home she's really adapted well to the island hey even more badass absolutely and i, I should point out that helen has a great quote in this episode where she says that brian heidek is quote unquote a class act yeah, <laughs> I, that's irony, kids. 
<laughs> yeah, he's a class. No one's classier than Brian Heideck. Because <laughs> again, if you want to, if you want to get uh, uh, technical here, if we're talking about the upsetting the apple cart, trying to break the majority, uh, you know, power within a majority alliance, you know, we've had Jake try to try to broach it. We've had you know Ted talking about it and Jake talking about it. We've had this kind of conversation going, and then there's that scene where Helen and, and her husband are out getting the water, and Helen's talking about the game with him. And, you know, she says, you know, I, I trust in Brian and and Brian is is there and I'm going to go with Brian. And Jim says, maybe, 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 you know, if he's got the power, maybe you need to go another way from him. And Helen basically says, no, nah, I'm not going away from Brian. Like her husband even suggested. Yeah. Maybe you want to go against it. And she's like, no. And if it's hilarious, her rationale in retrospect, she says that I forget what she says exactly, but it's something like it would hurt his feelings. We've been through too much together or something like that. Yeah, I don't think Brian's feelings would be hurt. Brian's Brian's non what what stands for Brian's feelings would be hurt. Yeah, I don't want to kill the Terminator because it would hurt his feelings. <laughs> but but we get to the immunity challenge again, and uh, this is this is the payoff because all the loved ones came and had to eat at the reward challenge, eat the gross food. They couldn't hug their uh, survivor, and it was kind of really sad and whatnot. But it's because they're still there. Psych. Yeah, this is a Still time there. when Survivor can just be nice. And then, yeah, it's great because, you know, all the loved ones come running out, and there again, there's Clay, and he sees Cece, and he's so excited, and then he remembers his wife is there, too, and he gets excited about that also. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if you're looking for, you know, the subtle things about Brian's badassness, you know, they're all hugging and kissing their loved ones, and he's hugging Cece, and you can hear the camera, or the, the microphone that's on him, and he says, he says, like, I miss you, but I've got a plan. i got a plan, a big one. And it's yep. working too. We'll see that again next season with Sesternino, the same type of deal as Heidek, where the loved ones comes out, everyone else is hugging their mom, and Sesternino's over there talking strategy with his mom, telling him how awesome, telling her how awesome his plan is. So it's kind of funny. Yep. Although Brian, you know, was true when he said he had an, an awesome plan, a big one. But yeah, he doesn't lie. He's not lying. But uh, they get to have a. Uh move puzzle pieces around <laughs> this is the one like that's f- made famous in all stars by having like the giant ass pieces that they hit each other with but this one is a little smaller and they are tied up to their loved one and they've got to uh uh fit the little puzzle together the rubik's cru- cube kind of thing together and uh ted and his brother win and they roll around in the dirt for <laughs> and then what's and funny then, about no, i was just gonna say and then you know the jeff probe goes back to being a dick right away you know because he's like can my brother wear it? Oh, your brother ain't in the game anymore yeah, fuck that, no. But By the way, there's something that Ted and his brother scream at each other every time they're excited, and I've watched the season many times, and I can't figure out what they're yelling at each other. Have you? Did you pick that up? No. Okay, I'm just curious. if There's some word, phrase, they scream at each other, and apparently some, they both know It's some know African it. thing language, I'm not sure. <laughs> Thanks, Pascal. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Paul busting out the racist card. I'm from uh, Montana. It's okay. Oh, that's, that's right. I forgot about that. So part part one of Thailand was rape. Part two of Thailand was skull fucking. And part three of Thailand now is lots of racism. You guys have potty mouths. Mm-hmm. Also. Also that. So, <laughs> so what, we, we lost Jake. Is Jake gone here? Yep, Jake's gone here. He's He's, he's done. I mean, there really is no even build up to his, you know, departure. There's, I mean, there's, there's no hope for poor Jake. Yeah, he was a great character, but yeah, I mean, his time was done, and that was it. See you, Jake. Time to get on to the epic 
finale to, I mean, not finale, but the epic conclusion to Thailand, the final two episodes here. The only thing we can say about Jake that it's going to come back to play in a little bit is that, uh, you know, when Brian votes him out, it was based on performance or whatever. Yeah, that that comes up like 10 more times later. And Jake will not let that shit go, man. He's like, no, (laughs) I am the best. But we Jake has the best memory for an old person ever. Yeah, no, this is. Yeah. So so we uh, actually are we at the finale yet? Was it finale at five? No, final five. We got to get rid of Ted first. We got to get rid of Ted here. So we got episode 12. Um and Helen's just like, yeah, Chewy gone. We're remaining. We're awesome. And this is where Brian has his confessional of, you know, it's it's 110 degrees, but I got my ice skates on. Mr. Freeze is in the house. <laughs> By the way, I got to point out, I was watching the uh, preseason stuff for, for Thailand. It's on the DVD, all the interviews and stuff before the season started. And even in the pregame stuff, Brian's going on about how, how he has the longest skates, how he's the best skater. Like he's trying, been trying to work that skating metaphor in all season, and it doesn't really show up in the episodes until right there. So I just wanted to point that out. So we've got Brian, he's an ice skater, and then they, they, we get a fun, we get the fun little bit, and I wish they did this every season, where they bring the mirror in and they get to show them what they look like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yeah, no, this, this actually, a, a line is getting very excited for to say here, because I think the best line, again, goes to who? Helen, about, you know, looking at themselves in the mirror and everything, and, you know, when they comment how the guys are so obsessed with themselves more than the girls, and then uh, Helen goes up there, and uh, she's not happy with what she sees, and, um... And then she uh, goes, you know, cuts her confessional where she says, um, yeah, you know, you get up there and you look and you think, you know, you've been losing weight, but you don't know how you look. And then, you, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, OK, well, I <laughs> I uh, still look fat. Now, oh, great. Now I've got lines in my face. So uh, that was enough for me. Oh, Helen. Poor Helen. It's fantastic. And then you know go ahead. I was going to say, never mind. <laughs> well, I was actually going to move on. Did you have anything more about the mirror scene? I have nothing more to add, Jay. Please continue. Okay. Well, again, this is fun. This is fun with percentages, and you got to put it into perspective because Ted and Brian have a real quick scene, and Ted's like, "Hey, are we good?" And Brian's like, "We're good." I don't know about everyone else, which is a fun way out. And Ted's just kind of like, "Ah, Brian wavered a little bit. I'm, I'm not thinking that our, our, we were tight. Now I'm thinking we're not as tight. I trust him about eighty, eighty-five percent." The sliding scale returns. And it's like, man, 80-85% would be pretty solid to a normal person. But to Ted Math, like, he doesn't trust Brian at all. <laughs> well, yeah, because this scale goes up to, what, like 400% or something? <laughs> I mean, if he's 150 to 200% happy and he gives 100 million percent, like, <laughs> trust some 80-85%, that's like nothing. Wow, Lou Ferrigno is, like, slacking next to Ted with only 110%. Ah, joke from the last one. Yay! <laughs> But then we get the we get the car challenge, and what's fun is that you know they're walking on the beach, and Jeff Probst picks them up in the car. Jesus Christ! <laughs> God, I, I love these early seasons for that stuff. That is fan frickin' tastic. Jeff just happened to be driving down the beach in a new car. Hey guys, I'm in a Chevy Trailblazer. Want to ride? <laughs> <laughs> Ted, take shotgun. <laughs> Ted, sh- <laughs> big Ted up front, the rest in the back. I don't know what he says. Something like that. Well, he didn't want Big Ted rubbing up against either of the women in the back because you know where it happens. Yeah, you don't want Ted from behind. Exactly. Put Ted in shotgun. It's safe up there. <laughs> so, yeah. So he picks them up in the car. I just love that. It's, it's that hokiness. Man, I wish Survivor had that shit still. That was fantastic. So they get to the, they get to the uh, challenge, and they've got to go collect some tiles and stuff like that. And Brian wins, except he doesn't. Road trip. <laughs> 
You know, for years, this has been one of the biggest unanswered questions of Survivor. Did Brian throw that challenge, or is he just a fucking idiot? And he did a... I pointed this out before, but he did an interview on uh, Survivor Oz, the Survivor Oz podcast recently. And Brian, of course, admitted it. He said, oh, yeah, of course I threw that challenge. Like, you don't win the car. The car winner always loses Survivor. So Brian has said that, yes, he threw the challenge. Yeah, that's really bad, because that, that's the road trip. R-A-O-D, like, holy crap. Which is hilarious for a guy who sells cars for a living. <laughs> oh, the irony. He really wanted to, you know, have a new piece of merchandise on his uh, on his lot there, but it didn't work out. And, you know, just like, what are you trying to spell? And he's like, I'm trying to spell road trip. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have said it out loud. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have said it out loud or yelled it really slowly so that everyone could hear. <laughs> but Ted, Ted wins the car, hooray! And along with the car, he gets a reward. Where he gets to go to a spa where they get to eat and drink and get a massage. And he chooses Helen. And it was well, not. He, yeah, he chooses the only other non-drinker. Neither one of them drinks, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because now they're gonna get drunk, and it's fun to watch non-drinkers drink. Yeah, but you know the thing I notice is that you know yeah they they drink. Ted gets full, and he's like, "Damn, I'm full." But then he's drinking, and then you know he has he has the fun, hilarious. It's one of the, it, it's. God, when people get drunk, kind of one of the first couple times they get drunk, it's that whole like, man, my mind is clear. I'm not that drunk. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. You you totally are. But then they get in the shower. Like Helen takes a shower and she's doing the massage. Then Ted gets in the shower and the noises that come. I'm like, Ted is grinding the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not even attracted to the bath, though. I I mean, I I feared for those two Thai masseuses. You know, one of them was going to get sexy bit, but I guess that was (laughs) in the outtakes. It's like putting your head into a lion's mouth, going to massage a drunken amorous Ted. <laughs> uh, and he's like, Helen, am I we're doing okay, Helen? She's like, we're doing great. And Helen's got the great confessional, like, it's Ted's reward. Ted took me along. I'm going to be a nice guest. But uh, yeah, he, uh, he yelled a lot. <laughs> well, there's a great shot where they cut to the masseuse and she's just shaking her head. She's like, what have I got myself into? And then he like flops his ass down on the bed. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, they're like, Pang. and then they do that. They do that like bow and arrow move where she's like on his back and she's pulling his arms back. So he's kind of like stretching out his core. And he's like, his like eyes are like rolling in the back. He's like, ah. Well, you know, the irony there is that she's actually grinding him. <laughs> If you think about it, I know. I wonder if Gandia watches that scene and she has like nom flashbacks. <laughs> she can't. Could have. She couldn't watch that episode. She just had to leave. Yeah. Oh, she this like, seems way more fun than it should be. <laughs> it's fantastic. I also like the uh, the thing as well, where like Ted's like he's complaining he's full, and Helen's like, "Why eat rice?" <laughs> I have to point out when I when I wrote the funny one fifteen, so many people over the years have asked me why I didn't include drunk ted scene in the funny 115 and i watch it now and i I wonder the same question why the hell didn't i write about that like there's so many grinding callback jokes you can make with this and i I, i'm stunned that i never included it so whoever has complained about that over the years you guys are correct so what you're saying is you suck i do suck i was wrong on this one you guys are dead on that's a hilarious scene yeah ted grinding the shower people we didn't make (laughs) I didn't say you were right. I said other people were right, Jay. Sorry. <laughs> it's not getting a big head, mister. I'm running the podcast now. All right. So we have that scene. Then we have an immunity challenge. 
Her oh, this is the one with the staircase, right? The staircase where Brian beats everyone by a mile. <laughs> yeah. Walks. Brian does the slow, cocky walk up to the top, top like he always does. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, everyone else is just like sprinting from the beginning. He's like the last one to start assembling, and he knows he's going to win it. It's like, if Brian wants to win, he's going to win it. So uh, he decided, oh, what the hell now? I, th- I think a final, you know, final three, you know, the last three challenges. If I can get these out, that'll, that'll boost my case some more. Why not? I just love the irony on this one, like, like you know, the 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 producer probably wanted someone like Jan or Helen to win, but like, if you're gonna give a challenge to an old person like Jan, don't give them stairs. Like I've seen my grandfather and grandmother try to handle stairs and they can't do it. So, <laughs> just hilarious that J- they thought Jan might have a chance to win the stairs challenge. Well, I was hoping for some tumbling down those stairs, but no <laughs> such luck. Yes. So yeah, so Brian wins the challenge, and then you know, there's a lot of cool, you know quotes in here you know they're talking about turning on each other it's real good survivor 101 stuff in here again clay's talking about working the jury and they're talking about you know kind of going against everyone and and this is you know ted ted and helen they're trying to pull jan in it's this whole they're at five it's kind of ted and helen sort of on one side sort of even though helen votes for him but yeah i think she just kind of realizes that jan's not going with it but uh they you know they try to make the move but ted's out are we going to talk about the famous Brian confessional? Maybe his most famous confessional? Why don't we? Where he flips off the world? Yeah, I actually wrote this one and I transcribed it. So I know people, have, if they haven't watched the episode in a while, where Brian, there's two things that he really points out in this, in this confessional where he says uh, he has three pieces of ammo he can use left in the game. Number one is my trump card, Granny Jan. She's disposable. Number two, my loyal, trustworthy soldier, Helen. I know her, where her head's at. Number three, my good friend, Uncle Clay. He doesn't like Helen, and she doesn't like him, and when I need to use that against them, I will. And that's my favorite part of the confessional right there. He knows Helen can't stand Clay, Clay can't stand Helen, and he even says right there, there will be a point in this game where I will use that against them. And he does because it's Helen's vote that really kind of wins him in the end. Even though he screws Helen over, he knows she hates Clay so much she would never vote for him to win a jury vote. And that's it's really kind of right here where he, he lays out his whole plan and how he's going to win the game. And even flat out says Helen's the one that's going to win because she's going to give me that winning vote. And then, of course, he ends by flipping off the camera, which is a classic Brian Heideck maneuver. Well, you know, with these with these older seasons, I don't have as clear of memory, you know, exactly what, you know, what people's reactions were. I wasn't on the Internet at that time. I didn't know that many I mean, I, I didn't wasn't in constant contact with people who were watching it, but I, I remember when um when this episode aired the next day because I had a teacher who watched it. We'd occasionally would um would discuss things with her. I think we talked about it more, you know, going into Survivor of the Amazon because I knew her better and stuff. But I remember being in seventh grade, sitting at the lunch table, and I overheard her talking to one of my friends, and um, I remember her saying they're they're discussing the, this quote that Brian had there about how he called Jan this old lady and you know old granny and all this stuff, and I remember this teacher saying, and I thought I don't want you to win. You are just mean, and so that you know that's one of my clear memories I have of you know what the, what the 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 casual viewer thought of Brian. <laughs> I got to say that the picture of him flipping off the camera, that's one that I use all the time, all over the funny 15. I just have been enamored with that picture for years. And what's funny is the the common belief is that Brian flipped off the camera on purpose just to show that he's a badass and he doesn't care about these people. But in his Survivor Oz interview just recently, he even said he didn't mean to do that. He's like, well, that was just kind of an accident. I didn't realize I was holding up my middle finger. So it's one of those things. Do you actually believe, Brian? And I, I honestly don't know. It's hard to tell when he's telling the truth. Because he's always kind of messing with his legacy and making himself sound better than he was. So who knows? But it's 
that's just one of those iconic survivor images that so many people have asked me about and so many people have said oh you guys got to talk about that on the historians podcast because everyone loves brian holding up the middle finger does everyone love it my grandmother wrote me an email just the other day said she loved it yes (laughs) what about gabriel cade's grandmother (laughs) yes there are big fans of both gabriel and the middle finger I've, I've done the research. Everyone does like the middle finger confessional. In fact, I remember a, a good friend of mine from back in the day, Mertz Jaffer, who used to run Survivor Central, the biggest Brian Heideck fan on the face of the earth. Everyone now knows him as the big Boston Rob fan, but he was the Brian Heideck fan. Heideck was his all-time favorite Survivor. Oh, did he love that middle finger scene. He just loved someone being a badass on Survivor, and that, it was that middle finger that he loved. And so many people that loved Brian at the time fixated on that one moment just to show what a badass this guy is. Love it. So we get to Tribal Council, and what's funny is that, you know, this is the first tribal council after the merge that Chewy gone is, uh, it's, it's all Chewy gone still in the game. And Jeff points that out says, ah, well, the power is now shifting to the jury and you know, the jury is going to have to vote you and it's going to be mainly soup Jai. And he sees shots of the jury and like Aaron and Ken and Penny are just smiling like, ha 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 ha. That's great. And Helen's like, yeah, I've thought about it, but they have to vote for one of us. By the way, would you, do you think Jeff pros would ever say something like that anymore? Oh, the jury, they're the important ones. You guys might want to start thinking about getting jury vote. Like, he doesn't even do that anymore. Now he's like, fuck you, jury. You didn't vote right. Okay, so we have the we have the tribal council. Ted goes home. Parting shots? That's it. He, I mean, yeah, he was a... Ted was a fun character. At, never, at no point during that season did I ever think he was going to win. He was just kind of one of those... He was an important character, but he, he never got the vibe from him like he could be the major character. So I remember Final Five not being surprised at all that he was voted out. I'm like, okay, yeah, that seems about right. That's about where Ted should have gone. And now we hit. Now we head into an amazing uh, finale of Survivor. I'll say from my personal standpoint, I love Thailand, especially up until you know up till the fake merge. Then I think for me, easily the slowest part of the season is you know as we kick these people off. You know the Soup Chai members one by one kind of starts revving up here by the end of Ted's episode. But then I mean, even though even if you aren't a huge fan of of Brian Heideck as a winner, or especially Brian and Clay in the final two, I mean it is a pretty epic uh, finale that we go into. So so. The, the the finale kind of brings it full circle for me for, for Thailand being a good season. Yeah, I always kind of look at Thailand as two different seasons where the first half is kind of fun and goofy and, and weird. Like there's weird characters, there's little funny scenes. And then it, towards the end, it just really ramps up and gets intense and gets really kind of a badass season. And it, it's, some would say, I don't know if I'd say this personally, some have said they think the Thailand finale is the best Survivor finale ever. I wouldn't say that personally, but it's in my top five, and I just love it. And I will say, from my personal standpoint, I was in the audience for this one. This is the only Survivor finale I've ever attended. And I'm so honored that this is the one that I got to go to, because it was fun. This was a fun finale to be in the audience for, because I'll get to it a little more later. But this was a cool one, if you could be at one live. That's good. That's good. So, Ted's out. We've got the final four. And uh, they're talking about how it's all cool final four stuff. Um, God, beginning of the finale. I don't even know where to begin. Where do we, where, where do you want to begin? Do you want to talk about, okay. you know, making flower well, kits or what do yeah. you want to do? Let me start on this one. Let me start about my experience with being at the finale. Cause it'll lead into a lot of this stuff later. Um, I got tickets to the finale through the survivor central, which was the website that I wrote for They survivor used to give out finale tickets free to the websites back then, which would horrify people now because survivor doesn't give tickets to anybody anymore but back in the day all websites got them for free so Mertz and i got free tickets and we got to go 
it was hilarious because CBS has no interest in the websites. They never did. They used to hate them. They'd give free tickets because they kind of had to for the publicity. But like we go to the finale and like all the websites, people are stat are in the very back row, like the furthest row you could be in in the studio and still technically be in the studio. It's like row nine 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 seat Z Z Z. We're way the fuck back there. And so we're sitting back there, and what these families are like, at least the one in L.A., the one that I went to, it's like being in a Roman gladiatorial arena where people come up on screen, and, like, we're just watching the episode. We're watching the first hour of it, like, just like you're watching it at home, except the audience is reacting to it, so it's awesome. So the people will come up on screen, and, like, Jed got a huge audience pop. I don't know why he was so popular, but, like, every one of his relatives and friends had flown in or something. So he got this huge pop from the audience. And then Helen got the other huge pop. Helen was by far the, the big crowd favorite. <clears throat> and what one thing I remember about that very specifically is Mark Burnett comes out before the, the taping. And he's like, he, in typical Mark Burnett fashion, he's like, we're going to do something at the finale tonight in the taping that has never been done before on TV. You guys are a part of TV history. And he goes... There's a shot in the finale when we reveal the votes that we're going to switch from a taped shot to a live shot in the middle of the scene. And that has never happened in TV history before. It's going to be seamless. And so we'll get, I'll get to it later in the episode. But when you watch the episode, look for the shot where it switches from tape to live. And at the time, Burnett was saying that had never been done before on TV. So it's kind of cool to look for it in the episode. Okay. So this time we've got to uh, make... Uh, <laughs> these floating uh uh throngs uh which which are you know there to to signify everyone that's been previously eliminated and they're going to later release them into the sea it's all it's all really fun arts and crafts on survivor we love it right absolutely <laughs> and anytime you have to make you know clay make a little uh a flower thing for gandia it's going to be awesome <laughs> Uh, so then we get we get an obstacle course immunity challenge and uh and i i I was shocked that brian won but before we do that get tons of tumble scenes with jan falling off a balance beam it's awesome (laughs) there's one where she like kind of slips falls back like hits her back on the beam and then kind of like flips over and falls down oh it's awesome there's some shrieks and yells oh it's it's fantastic jantastic Per capita, Paul, does does Jan fall more than any other old person in the history of Survivor? I think so. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if if, uh, if any uh, older women can compete with uh, the number of times Jan falls down a season. So she might have that title. Jan falls a lot, and <laughs> and 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 not just because she lasts out there for a long time, and then she's doing these physical challenges, and she's, I mean, she had drunk fall over too. So you got you got drunk and old and lasts a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, she's falling and she's not even drunk. I mean, how much is she falling when she's drunk? A lot. We, we can tell. We've got a good sample not size. Not enough, we, but a like, lot, like, yes. <laughs> Paul, you should take her out on a date and find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> He's just like, can I, uh, can we go, can, can you just, can we just go to a park? Can you just try to do the jungle gym? I'll just stay over here. I'll just, I'll just watch. I'm, I'm, I don't need to. <laughs> I got an idea, Jan. Let's go to a trampoline. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian wins, and now we've got the scene leading up to where we're going to vote out Helen. Oh, this is what right before that. This is where Brian pats himself on the back for a successful business trip, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> more, yeah, more Brian Heideck just being a douchey sociopath. A douchey sociopath, and then we've got to talk about you know Helen's trying to get Jan to force a tie, two two. But man, I tell you, poor Helen. You know, Helen has nothing to work with whatsoever. She wants to force that tie, and Jan is just completely useless. Jan is 
I mean, God bless her. She did well. She's a nice person, I'm sure. She was a good character. But, like, she is so over her head when it's to the Final Four against these three players. Yeah. Oh, Jan. Helen's like, please, Jan, please force the tie. Jan's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to hurt Brian's feelings. Helen's like, please hurt his feelings now. And I and I will tell you, again, in that studio, the audience is going crazy. Anytime Helen talks, Helen's talking about, we're going to vote out Brian, we're going to vote out Clay, anything. They're going, go, Helen. They're just going nuts. And, like, I have to imagine the audience popped. Kathy must have been something like that, too. But the audience was so incredibly pro-Helen. It was crazy. They're just cheering every time she's talking about turning the vote against Brian and Clay. And it just it didn't happen. Didn't happen. And Helen goes home. And uh, I know we're going to talk about Helen more. I mean, Helen's not done in this podcast by any stretch of the imagination. She does not go out quietly. She does not go out quietly. But I'm going to say it now because I'm, I, I hope I don't forget it to say it later. I feel like Helen, the fact that Helen did not play the game again is almost a travesty of mankind. It's horrible. You know, it's, for years I always said Mike Scoopin not playing again is the absolute worst thing that they've ever decided not to do. But then he came back. You know, we'll talk about that later. But. The more I watched Thailand, again, Helen not coming back was the travesty. And again, the audience at the time, maybe not so much on the internet and stuff. I mean, they were mostly pro-Helen, but survived. But Thailand didn't have a really hardcore favorites or, or people they didn't like. It was never as, the audience didn't get behind it as much as the other seasons. But man, I just remember being in that theater. I've never seen like 500 people cheering for one person as much as Helen was getting from that crowd. And it was just amazing. And I always think the same thing. Like, it's almost a crime that they didn't bring Helen back. It's a crime. It's, it's, it's a shame. And I'm, I know that when we get to Survivor All-Stars, we're going to talk about who was out there, what was a good choice, who maybe should have been out there. And I know that certain people, uh, Brian Heideck, made it comp- complex and complicated to bring people back. And I know that certain people like Elizabeth and stuff like that said no. I understand these sorts of things. But look, I know that's... I'm just going to say it now. I know that Sue Hawk is on Survivor Borneo. I know Sue Hawk is part of the original Toggy 4. Love Sue. I think Sue's great. And yes, yeah, Snakes and Rats and all that kind of good stuff. I would rather have had Helen over Sue. I mean, if Helen's it, better TV. Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, my God. It's just ridiculous to me that, that they didn't bring Helen back for anything. She was a standout of this season. And it just came off that finale just absolutely perfectly. Like, Helen gets voted off. She gets blindsided. And Brian gives those badass final words like, cause and effect. You caused this effect. Yeah. And Helen Helen gets voted off and she's just furious. You can see it in her eyes. And in her final yeah, in her final words she says, uh, uh what does she say? Yeah, break, break a leg and like, I mean it. To the three of you left, break a leg. And I mean it. Yeah. But but I will say two things about that. When I was in the, the theater, oh my the audience cheer when like they're all like boo when Helen got voted out and then she gives those final words and like You'd think that the Pope just walked in the room, the cheer that goes up from the audience, because Helen basically says, fuck you, in her final words. It was the funniest thing. And what's particularly funny, if you own the DVD of Survivor Thailand, watch Helen's extended final words, because they're even better. <laughs> because, I got it. have you seen MJ? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I Yeah, because yeah, Helen, how they do it is they're sitting there talking to a, con- a camera. It's their confessional. They get to give their final words, and then they're supposed to signal to someone off camera, to a producer or somebody, when they're done. <clears throat> so Helen just sits there, and she talks about there's a knife in her back, and it sucks. And then she ends with her little quip, and she goes, uh, she goes, uh, and to the rest of you left in the game, break a leg, I mean it. And then she just turns to the right, and she summons the producer that she's done. But in, in a typical Helen fashion, this is, everyone else just says, okay, I'm done, or hey, Jake, I'm done, or whatever your name. Helen just turns and goes, done! <laughs> that's, that's the whole interview, and it's the funniest thing. <laughs> yes, poor Helen. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Val Helen fan. I could sit here and talk about her for hours, but I know we got to move on. Yeah, she was such an amazing character, and I, 
I've actually exchanged emails with her a lot over the years. She's super nice, and it's too bad she's kind of been forgotten in Survivor history. That's all I'll say. So Helen's gone. Now we've got to do the rite of passage in a gold canoe because there's no other way to do it. <laughs> this is where they they release the floats, right? They release the floats. Anything? And they had to make. Didn't they have to make one for Helen real quick? Yeah, yeah. In, in the night, you know, and they tie the spoon on it. And just because we'll probably, you know, not, not think of it when we get there, once they get to tribal council, you know, Jeff asked, were there any of those, you know, that really stuck out to you? And, uh, and Jan is just like, yes, uh, Helen's because um, we tied the spoon on, on hers because she was the cook. And I, I said, you're not just a survivor friend. You, you're a friend for life. Shot of Helen. Couldn't care. Couldn't care less. Just pissed <laughs> off as all hell. Helen's like, I am not hearing the blind rage is just going through me. <laughs> and then Clay's like, we should put a spoon on Gandia's float because Ted tried to spoon her. <laughs> I, I, didn't he try to fork her? I don't know. Yeah, Clay's like, put some semen on Gandia's back, on the back of her float. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's right, we're going to go like multiple MIGs. And uh, he went there. That's so, right. <laughs> so they, they paddle into a cave, and, you know, Jeff really talks about this cave. Like, he really, really talked up that cave. I kind of wanted the cave to swallow them all whole or something like that. He's, you're in this cave. Pirates used to live here. You're in, the <laughs> I, dark, you're in the darkest part of this cave. It's like, Jesus, Jeff, holy shit, what the hell are you doing? I have a great story about that. This is something that happened kind of at the time on the Internet. Paul might not know about this one, but... In an interview before the Thailand finale, Jeff was talking about the final challenge in, in Thailand is one of the greatest challenges we've ever had. And he used this phrase. He said, think Indiana Jones. And so everybody on the Internet's racking their brains thinking, what the fuck does he mean? Think Indiana Jones. Are the boulders going to roll after him or something? Or like they have to whip something? And so we get to this challenge, which is a cool challenge. But at no point when I watch that challenge do I think Indiana Jones. So it, it always makes me laugh when I think back to that. That Jeff was so proud of this challenge. He'd hype it in interviews. And like you said, and during the scene itself, he's hyping the cave. And like Jeff was so pleased with this challenge. And it's cool, but again, it's not Indiana Jones. Well, so I don't know what Maybe if a Jeff would have come out and tore, you know, torn out Jan's heart in the middle of it, maybe it would have been a little <laughs> little temple, a little temple of doom or whatever it's called. Molaram, this bitch. Well, yeah, throw him in a pit, drop snakes on him. That would have been Indiana Jones. But no, I don't know. So they're in a cave. Well, yeah, lots of people are in caves, Jeff. You're in a cave. You're in the darkest part of this cave. <laughs> so then they had to, like, hold coins in between their fingers in a weird position. And, you know, I, I, I always like endurance challenges. Don't get me wrong. We've talked about this before. I like it. But, you know, it, it, and it's fun, I guess, TV in, in the fact that some of these put your hand on the idol. It lasts for several hours. And yeah, Tom and Ian are on a buoy for like four days. And this is all great. This one's like 10 minutes. It's done. Oh, but this one was brutal. Yeah. I watched that. I'm like, that would have hurt so much. You can see clay, his leg shaking. You see Jan in physical pain two minutes into it. I'm like, that one was brutal. It was brutal. It's 10 minutes. They made it. They just put him in this weird contorted position. And then they had to kind of, you know, it's basically who passes out last. It's kind of yeah. how it and went. Now, and now they know what Indiana Jones felt like. <laughs> yeah. Cause Indiana Jones often makes the Lotus pose. Remember that pose? <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, so they're they're doing it. And what's funny is, again, if you wanted to know about it, is when they go to tribal council, which is just a little bit later. When Brian goes up to make his vote, you could see him limping, like he is. And that was that was a while later, and they were at a different spot. But I mean, Brian is not recovered, and it was like what ten minutes of being in that little device. Yeah, one of the things that I remember about that challenge that that is just such a cool scene to watch. All Indiana Jones jokes aside, but. Like they start cutting to Clay in pain, to Jan in pain. They cut back to Brian, and he's got the most serene look on his face, like he's meditating. 
And what's particularly cool is when they go, they kind of cut right in front of him, and he's got the beard on. There's this golden halo around his head. He's holding his hands out to the side. Like, it's such a weird little Jesus imagery that it's just, it's like very artistic. And it's one thing I think people should look for when they watch the, the Thailand finale. That's this, all the little Jesus imagery around Brian. It's really kind of weird, but it's kind of beautiful in a way, too. And again, Brian in automatic mode because you know Jeff is talking to him like, "Hey, what you think about?" And yeah, you know Jan, what do you? What's the first thing you're gonna do? And you know she's like, "I'm gonna get a pizza and a beer." And you know, Clay said his wife's gonna you know meet him and have a pie ready waiting for him. And Brian's you know, "What's up, Brian?" Brian's like, "Just relaxing, good." <laughs> yeah, thank and you, then, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Move and, on. Yeah, and then Jeff's like, "All right," and he's like, "Thank you, thank you very much." <laughs> it's, it's it's just automatic. Just thank you, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I love Brian. <laughs> Such a great character. In his own way, such a great character. <laughs> so, Brian wins. Final two. He votes out Jan. It's Brian and Clay. The greatest final two in the history of final twos, right? I loved it. That was, that was the first time it was two males in the final two, if I believe. And uh, I remember sitting in there in the audience where, where uh, Mertz and I were at the finale, and, and we're, we're betting who's going to win. And I'm like, well, Brian's going to win, obviously. Brian's been the star of the season all along. And Mertz is like... Clay's been good with the jurors. I think we might have an upset here. And this is something that Mertz wouldn't live down for years because he would deny this. He'd like, no, I picked Brian would win. I'm like, I was fucking there, you douche. You picked Clay. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that on, on record that I picked Brian and Mertz picked Clay. Well, then it's funny because when they get to final travel council, it starts to really kind of roll toward Clay, at least at the beginning. It does. He was, it, I don't think he was that far from winning, to be honest. Well, he technically wasn't, but we need to get into how great <laughs> we needed to get into how great Brian is, and it kind of goes here. Yeah. Uh, hooray! Day thirty nine. They set their. They said they're like, we got this boat. It's been an albatross since day one. And it's like that's another boat. You lost your other boat. You stupid. <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, symbolically, they, Jay, just go with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with it. So they get to final tribal council, and uh, you know they get there, and and Clay, you know. I know. Again, final tribal council things. Did Colby lose final tribal council in Australia? We talked about that. I I feel like Clay did a really good job on the whole. He made some mistakes here and there. I mean, this season was Brian's, and 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 we got to talk about how great Brian is. But I thought Clay did pretty well. His opening statement was strong. He's just like, look, I'm here. You're there, and uh, I had to lie to get here, and you're there, and you would probably do the same thing. I mean, that's just how it goes. It's like, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, Clay doesn't do a bad job at all, except for the, well, he he kind of blows Helen's question off, but in his defense, he was never going to get her vote he anyway. He was never going to get her vote anyway, so. It was the one for Jake. Isn't the one where he kind of badgers Jake? That's, yeah. that's the one he kind of slips up a little He's, bit. I, I, guess, I don't think anything would have made a difference. I think Brian had the four votes he needed, and that's all he cared about. But still, yeah, Clay did really well, except for maybe that Jake question. Maybe that Jake question. But we get to the final, and this is a good final travel council. For as good a season as people, you know, people love Marquesas and put Marquesas up so high. Marquesas' final travel council is so flipping lame. And then everyone hates Thailand, and this final travel council is so good. It's so good, so good. Oh, so good. And again, yeah, I mean, we're going to get to it, but that underrated Helen speech, which is as good as any of the speeches prior to this in Survivor history, it's easily as good as Rats and Snakes. Oh, it's fantastic. And it, and I feel like Helen is the predecessor for not not angry, not bitter. I don't like those those terms, but just kind of the 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 emotional jury speech that we get almost once or twice a season now, made famous. I feel like by Eliza in later seasons and whatnot. I mean, Helen is the prototype for it. Helen is just on fire. It's it's really good. Well, what's great is that she's emotional and she unleashes on him, but she still votes very rationally. <laughs> yeah, no, it all makes sense in her head. She's just kind of getting you know, she's blowing off some steam there. That's what Helen does. 
Yeah, and uh, first of all, first thing we get, we get a, well, I think Aaron's first, right? And Aaron's just, <laughs> what is he? Why should the other person not win? And, you know, it's just, you know, great. Way to go, hey, Aaron. Let, let's leave it at the point where we liked Aaron. Let's not talk about Aaron anymore. <laughs> we do we, we do love you, Aaron, so we're just going to skip right over you. But we, yeah. get to, we get to Penny, and Penny's got a great one where she's just basically like, um, I just want to know if you guys got to know me very well. Brian, where did I grow up? And Brian's like, <laughs> Texas? <laughs> uh, and he's kind of like, um, Texas, Beaumont, I think somewhere Texas. in Beaumont, Texas. That would be Jan. How many siblings do I have? Uh, um, you got an older brother or an older, older sister. sister. No, I'm the, I'm older. the oldest. <laughs> and I don't know any of their names. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And then she's like, and Clay, do you know anything? And Clay like rattles off like everything about Penny, probably her waist size, her fears, <laughs> everything else. And Penny's like, I'm good. And you're just sitting there going like, Jesus, Clay. Awesome. Yeah. Clay out of nowhere for the win. <laughs> and that's, that's a great underrated scene too. Clay practically reels her entire family tree. Clay just, just totally destroys Brian on, on, on Penny's question. Then Jake gets up there, and Jake's still talking about it. He's like, now you said you were going to vote out on performance. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I got up early, and I did my chores. And I, you're just like, Jesus, Jake, let it go. <laughs> it's like they did. They, they, they cut Jay off in the middle of it, or Jake off in a confessional like a week ago, and he's still going on the same confessional. They just turned on his mic again. <laughs> he was still pissed about it, and Clay's just like, I. You know, whatever, you know, and Jake's going on and he's talking about the, and I mean, you know, the, Clay then just shuts him down, but I, and which was his mistake. But I mean, Jake just would not let that performance thing go. Absolutely. And then we got Ken, right? Yeah, it was Ken next. Ken may have been before Jake. I, I don't remember. Yeah, Ken comes up and he's like, yo, 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 bitches, what's up? How's my hair? <laughs> he's, like, yeah, Ken, he's, he's like, lie if he wants between you and God. So, Yeah, yeah the, the Ken question's interesting. I don't think a lot of people know the history behind that question. Do you, got, uh, you want to mention, talk well, about no, it? Why don't, you know why, don't you, his- why don't you talk about it? I feel like I do know, but well, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't know enough about it. Well, Ken, Ken yeah. first, Ken first berate. He first berates uh, Clay because he's just like, "You said we would do ever anything that you would do to get up there." Well, I wouldn't. I've got integrity. Yo, 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 yo. I go home with my integrity. But then he asks Brian why the tribe decided to vote out Ted. Yes, and that this is a big scandal, and this is something I'm surprised has not been a bigger deal in Survivor history. Like Ken says. There was a reason when I I'm trying to do an accent of, of Ken, but I can't do it. Ken says something like, "When I, when I got first got to the tribe, you said there was a reason that we had to vote out Ted. That Ted couldn't win. Why was that?" And Brian just skates around it. Either Brian doesn't know, or Brian's just lying. He's like, "Well, because uh, Ted would betray us or something." But what Ken was getting at, and what Ken brought up in interviews later, is that he claims that the first time he came to camp, Brian said, "We can't let Ted win because we can't have two black winners in a row." <laughs> And I am, I am I, shocked. I, I am shocked that this has not been a bigger deal in Survivor history. That's incredible. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. heard that either. I don't know if it's true if Brian really did say that, but Ken alluded to that in many interviews. This is what Brian said, and that's how the, he kind of got the soup jays on his side. He'd said, well, you know, we're going to stick together for now, but we can't let Ted win because Ted's black and we just had a black winner. And like I don't know if he just assumed Ken was racist because Ken's a cop, but I, I I don't know the I can't I don't know any of the truth behind this. I don't know any of the history other than what Ken has said in interviews, and Brian always denied it, and Ken always said it was true. And it's one of those things, man. I really would like to hear the true story behind this. So if Ken is ever on a Survivor interview, I'd love to hear more people ask him about this. 
I wonder, I, you know, it makes you wonder, did he, first of all, did he say it? And second of all, if he said it, was he trying to make some sort of, you know, horrible joke? Was he serious when he said it? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't know. It's the thing. And I don't think Ken would just make that up. Right. It's really weird. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a really interesting issue. And I, I'm quite intrigued what the feedback's going to get on when we post this podcast. And I'm sure there are other people who have heard more information about this because I, I never really followed up on it. It's something I filed away in my head about 10 years ago. But I'm curious if someone knows more information about this than we do. Yep. Yep, yep. So, wait, and then, and then that leads into because we got to Ken, we did Penny, and then uh, we get to Ted, right? And then Ted's question in weirdly kind of comes out of left field. Yeah, the, the, again, he brings up the racism thing again. He's like, what's your definition of a racist person, Clay? Which, I mean, he doesn't flat out say it, but he's basically saying, Clay, why are you such a racist? Why are, why are you racist? Clay's, Clay's like, what the hell? Like, Clay is like taken aback by it, and he's just like, well, I, I didn't say anything about Ted. Yeah, there's a lot. It's interesting. There's a lot of uncomfortable stuff going on here behind the scenes. And what's funny is I remember when Probst and the crew came back from Thailand and they didn't, they never really sold Thailand like they did the earlier season. They didn't say, Oh, this season's great. You're going to love it. Kind of the scuttle on survivor on Thailand was that it was an unpleasant season with unpleasant characters. And then Jeff never liked it. And I almost wonder how much of the stuff behind the scenes here was what he was talking about. Like accusations of racism, accusations of Helen saying that clay was racist and it costing clay a win, perhaps. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here and it's never really been explained to me what happened. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, Clay, yeah, Clay is basically talking. And then Brian, you know, starts this with with Ted and it kind of goes on to Helen where, you know, Ted is really just kind of like, hey, what, why, why, uh, why did you, why did you vote me out? Why didn't you go and, and let me know? And, and Helen kind of continues this and Brian kind of gets that whole like you and you were conspiring against me with writing in the dirt. And I actually think, you know, whether he thought about that beforehand or kind of thought about that and went with it, it was a really, really good move by Brian because he just was giving them kind of his context for voting them out. Yeah, it's interesting because I know in his in his Survivor Oz interview recently that Brian has said, oh, yeah, that Helen was conspiring against him. And that's why he had to vote her out. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think the plan was always to get rid of her. Right. And he was just justifying yeah. it to he, people. So he had that in. And, you know, they, they you know, Jan did say, hey, they were writing stuff in the dirt. And Brian used that and he used it with Helen, too. But Helen's speech is <laughs> incredible. And here we are, Paul. I mean, it just it's like there's so it, the, the best thing about the speech is that it just it goes it, it's like so long and deep and there's interactions between him and Jeff Probst has to jump in here and say okay Helen let let him speak here for a second and then you know it carries on to Clay and Clay kind of gets in it then Clay shuts it down right away when he tells her you're never gonna you know there's there's not an answer in the world that's gonna please you so uh, why even try so I mean that, there's some specific things we can talk about and that's great but I mean the whole the, the whole speech is like I mean it has to be top three jury speeches of all time. Yep. She's and yeah, she's like, go ahead. She's bad. She's bad. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. She, she basically starts and she says, well, Brian, I was totally going to vote for you until you ripped my guts out. Yeah. And she's just like, you know, why? You know, at least you didn't tell me you were going to go H. You just said H. It's you. You didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me that I was going to go. We said we would have the decency to tell each other if we were going to go and you didn't. And I, you know, got the ax from you and I didn't hear anything from you. Why did that happen? And Brian just basically like. Look, I heard from Jan that you and Ted hearsay. were talking. Hearsay. 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 <laughs> she cuts it. Hearsay. That's hearsay. You didn't hear it from me. 
And Brian's like, well, no, because you were conspiring against me. And uh, I, I guess I was in. Sh- it's funny is that is that I think Helen then kind of gets where Brian's going and she's not really OK with it. She's still pissed. But then she's in her interrupting way. She's kind of leading him toward what she thinks. Like she's like, oh, and you were mad, right? Yeah. You know, and Brian's like, yeah, yeah. And I was pissed off and, and I did that. And I, I apologize. I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I, I, yeah. But you had to go. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny to listen to them argue because they're both really quick thinkers and they're both really good with their words. I mean, Helen works at a she's a radio host now. She is clearly good at thinking on her feet and talking. And Brian, of course, is a used car salesman. So his whole life is thinking on his feet and talking. So it's it's funny to listen to them joust, like you said, kind of verbally. And at some point, Helen realizes what he's doing. and She starts leading him in a direction. And Brian finally figures out she just wants an apology. And then he finally gives her the apology. And then she does that classic Helen. Well, a little late now. A little late for that. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's furious and she's trying to be funny at the same time. And that's the best way you can describe Helen as a character. She's furious, but she's still trying to be funny. She knows she's furious and she doesn't like that she's furious. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of a goat. This is the definition because Helen has just ripped Brian's, you know, ears off for basically voting her out. And she's super pissed. And you can tell she's hurt and she's upset and she's angry. And she just thinks Brian is just this despicable human being. And then she gets to Clay and says, Clay, did you freaking do anything? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's I like, funny. I, I love what she says. Sorry to interrupt. But she, I love what she says. Like, um, <laughs> I would like five, if you can come up with five reasons of how you know, talked about how he contributed to the people living on the island. But I just a little jab in there. Five, if, if you can come up with five. You know, and Clay's just like, you know, you know what? I did I did some little things around Kim. She's like, you can't even name one. And he's just like, you know what? Nothing I say is going to gonna satisfy you. So I'm just going to just not going to respond. But it's like, ladies and gentlemen, if you are in Survivor and you make it all the way to the final tribal council and someone stands up and says, did you do anything around yep. camp you are not winning survivor right now you can just check out you're done i wanted to point out again going back to helen's extended final words if you watch them on the dvd yes she's mad at brian she rips him a new one but she spends way more time ripping clay and she goes on and on about how the most horrifying thing that happened to her in survivor was you get in the situation where people are depending on each other for survival they need food they need water they need basic needs and one person and she names clay won't do anything to help anyone survival out. And she finds this more abhorrent than anything anybody else could do. She's like, it's so selfish what that man is in real life. We're out there depending on each other, and he doesn't even lift a finger to help other people survive. And to her, that's way worse than someone backstabbing her with a strategy. And so, yeah, that's the thing. She just that stuck in her craw the entire game that Clay is such a selfish person who won't help others when they're in need. And like Brian said in his confessional, Helen and Clay don't like each other, and I will use that when, it, when it's to my advantage. And this is exactly when he uses it. He knows she won't vote for him to win. He knows what Helen is like. And that's why Brian is the greatest player to win, because everyone looks at him and says, well, he barely beat Clay. And yeah, he barely beat Clay. Clay did well for himself. He, you know, he, saw, he had some inroads and took it. But it's like, okay, like with Penny. Penny comes up and says, you didn't learn anything about me. No, Brian didn't. He couldn't give two shits about Penny. He yeah. had he had his four. You know, he he knew that Jan and Helen and Ted and Jake would all vote for him. I mean, he knew it. He knew that they would because he knew that Helen and Jake did not respect Clay one bit because they were workers and Clay didn't work. And he knew he had Ted. 
and he knew he had Jan. He, he he knew he had the four, and so the other three, Ken and Penny and Aaron, he didn't give a shit. He didn't care, and so it's like he even he he basically won Survivor, giving the other person three votes. Yeah, that's the thing. He spotted Clay three votes, and again, a lot of people will say that they'll try to you know bring down Brian's game. Oh, he only won four to three. Well, he only you only need four votes to win. It doesn't matter if there's no way that the four votes are going to vote for the other guy. It doesn't matter that you only won four to three. And this is the Richard Hatch argument too. Like he couldn't have possibly have lost. He had four votes lined up before that tribal council that were not going to vote for Kelly. And again, I should bring up that whole, did Ted think that Clay was racist? Was Clay saying racist things? Was Brian feeding that to Ted all along? Oh, by the way, Clay is racist. He hates black people. Like Brian knew who was going to vote, not who was not going to vote for Clay. And there's more, again, there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know about, but there was no way Brian was going to lose that vote. None. I mean, he had it on lockdown. He had the game on lockdown. He had the four votes. He didn't care about the other three. He spotted Clay three votes. Clay just needed one of those other four. Couldn't get it. Wouldn't happen. Yeah. And nothing happened to tribal council would have made a difference. So it's not like Clay could have and failed. He just couldn't do it. It just he, wasn't going to happen. And, and I think Clay had a really good final tribal council. He just It just was never going to be there. And, and how you can see that as you look at Ted and Helen's questions. I mean, Ted and Helen are upset with Brian. And you can see they're physically upset. And Helen is extremely upset with Brian. But then they're like, yeah, but there's Ted. Or Ted, sorry, there's Clay. Clay. There's yeah, Clay. Ted, yeah. Ted will even vote for B. He will. He'll vote for B. <laughs> Did Ted only know like 20 letters or something? Like <laughs> he never spells out a full name. B yeah, and although, G, his two favorites. Although he got road trip, so he knows those eight yeah. letters. After with a little help. That's good. Ted won a car. So are we officially to the end? Oh, I, anything more you wanted to say about the episode? I think, I, think, I think we're good on the finale. Brian is our winner, 4-3, had it on lockdown. Now we got to talk about all the ramifications and a few things in the reunion just because, you know. Hey, yay, reunion. Yeah, I, I want to talk about um, back being at the live finale. This is when Burnett said, you know, there's this big, there's this live shot. We're going to switch from tape to live. It's the first time it's ever happened in TV. and Which is so flipping obvious, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because Burnett came out at, the, at every commercial break to pimp that out. He was so pleased about the shot. And if you watch the episode, it's really easy to tell. It's where Jeff goes to get the ballots and he comes back to re- reveal the ballots, and all of a sudden Clay is like forty pounds heavier. Oh my God, Clay is so swollen. Like he's yeah. so fat. But if you watch right before that, when Jeff is walking back, you can see him standing on his mark, ready to start walking to the camera. It's it's Jeff kind of screws it up, so it's really obvious where the tape to lives shot happens, and it's it's right there. You see Jeff standing there for a split second before he starts walking, and it's but that's where it is. And it was I remember seeing it when we were in the theater and at that point, cause we're going to live, they make everybody in the theater shut up. Nobody can say a word cause they're trying to make it look like they're still on the Island. But yeah, so you, even in the studio it was underwhelming. I'm like, well, that sucked. <laughs> and again, you know, you feel bad because now they've got the finale and they all have to wear their, their clothes from the Island out there. <laughs> yeah. And Clay's got like a Michael Jackson, bad fat suit on. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a fat suit on. He's just wearing like a yellow T-shirt and army pants and yeah. <laughs> everything like that. And you're like, man, that. It, it, what I will say about Modern Survivor is they don't do any pretense with that stuff. We all know it's 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 months later, so everyone gets dolled up and and they can go out there and in in nice clothes and makeup and that that actually I think lends a little bit better of a of a vote reveal than this bullshit where like they have to come out and wear the same clothes. Yeah, well, it's I remember the, the, in Africa they do it where. Ethan wins, and the audience starts cheering, and it was really effective because you didn't know it was coming. I'm like, wait, where's the, where'd the audience come from? Right. But it's funny that Burnett is pimping this in Thailand like it's the first time they've ever done it. I'm like, didn't we just do this in Africa? 
Oh. Right. And it, they did but it in it's Africa. With, it's with the specific shot, though. They had a commercial break in yeah. between. So it's Yeah, that like... was the deal. He was he was so proud. I mean, this is at the time, this was like the proudest achievement of his life. Forget that he invented Survivor and The Apprentice and all them. The fact that he did a live to ta- or taped a live shot in the middle of a shot, he was so proud of that. Yeah, Burnett likes that because he's done that on The Apprentice. The, uh, you know, Trump has hired the person and oh, it was in an, uh, it was in the studio audience. It wasn't just in that New York boardroom. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> and then the finale, or as I like to call it, Tanya coughs for an hour. Oh, my God. For the reunion. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's I, funny with Jeff Probst and this whole thing, too, because it really is his first time. And uh, I think he says like 20 times like, well, man, this is going fast. This is going fast. Ooh, <laughs> it's going fast. Another I'm commercial. This is going fast. Yeah, people forget that Probes had never done a reunion at that point. In fact, it was kind of considered odd that he would do a reunion because they had Brian Gumbel doing them, they had Rosie O'Donnell, and it just didn't cross anyone's mind that Jeff Probes could do a live show because he wasn't thought of as a TV personality yet. He was thought of as this quirky niche host that didn't have to do anything, just snuff torches and stuff. So at the time, this was kind of a, a unique thing that, oh my God, Probes is going to host this one. And I remember in the commercials, Probst is like, there's no singing, no dancing. He's like taking shots at Rosie O'Donnell in the commercials yeah. and stuff. Just, no, just answers. He's like, no fat lesbians. <laughs> I got I to gotta point out one of the things about the, the finale that was hilarious is that a lot of people might not know this, but there was some domestic drama between Brian Heideck and his wife, Cece, like a week before the finale. What? Yeah. Did you, do you know about oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. A lot of people might not know about this, but... uh. <laughs> yeah, so Brian was supposed to be babysitting his son, and apparently he fell asleep. He was drinking, and he fell asleep. So his wife, Cece, comes home. Brian's passed out on the couch. His son is running around doing whatever Brian Heideck's son does, probably shooting bows and arrows at puppies and stuff. And Cece's furious, and she, like, beats the crap out of him. She starts punching him. And so they had to call a dem- the police in and everything, and they got separated. And so this was literally, like, five days before the finale. And so this was the big thing in the theater. Is Cece going to show up? Because everyone figured Brian was probably going to win Survivor. But, like... His wife, who's now arrested and like charged with domestic battery, is she going to get to get half the million dollars if they get divorced? So it was a big deal in the theater. And I remember sitting at the finale all night, looking around at all the loved ones. I see Clay's wife and Jake's wife. And the whole night, I'm looking for Cece. I'm like, this is a big thing. Is she going to show up? Is she going to be here? And sure enough, she shows up and she's wearing this giant, you know, $9,000 fur coat. It's like, as you, just as you'd expect, Brian Heddick's wife would be walking around. And so I remember it was the funniest thing. You see in CC and everyone's going crazy. All the internet people know what a big deal it is that CC is here at the finale. Oh, man. It, it, the finale is the finale is good. And I feel in a way, because I actually don't, you know, I've rewatched the season a couple times since since it aired. But I don't really rewatch the finales ever. Or not the finale, sorry, the, the reunion show. You know, just because I don't really necessarily need to see it again. But I, I had a feeling I remembered that this one was good, and I went back and rewatched the reunion show. And it is, and it's because Jeff, Jeff Probst, he's not in his element yet. You know, you can, you can see him. He's stumbling over questions. He's, he's lost on time. He's, you know, sometimes he's going down weird paths that he thinks going to lead to good television, then he kind of realized that it's not. Like the whole revisiting Ted and Gandhi at Grindgate, it actually really wasn't great stuff because they were like, yeah, it was a thing. We didn't like it. It's over. We're good. And, you know, he kept trying to, like, milk more out of it, and he just – it just wasn't happening. So, you know, Jeff's really trying, and he's stumbling over things. But in a way, it was a real honest reunion. It was just Jeff and the cast. And, yeah, Jeff's kind of, you know, stumbling his way through it. But it, it was – I actually thought it was pretty endearing, the whole thing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite reunions. And like you said, it's because Jeff wasn't really in his element yet. He's not a producer. So he's not controlling where the show's going. He's just kind of reacting to the players. 
And it's neat because you can just see the actual dynamic of what it was like during the, in the game. Jeff interacting with the players like Helen will just talk over him and interrupt him. Brian won't give him a straight answer. It's just you could just see what it would have been like to be host because Brian is such a politician. He won't say anything bad about anybody. And you can even see probes starting to get annoyed with it. So it's kind of funny. You have to tell Brian to shut up and sit down as he stands up and waves to the crowd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And kind of like, yeah. kind of like turns. Thank you. Appreciate like, it. Thank you. Like, you know, well, you know, at the end of a play here, you know, you go out and kind of like show off the whole cast and stuff. And he's doing this to the whole cast. It's like, shut up and sit down. <laughs> That's so classic, Heidek. I love that. Classic. <laughs> Brian's act. like, no, no, I did, I did nothing special. It was these people, these people behind me. They're the true stars. So then we get there, and then of course we get the inevitable interview with Helen, where Helen's like, Jesus Christ, that Brian's a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. She's like, so uh, Helen, yeah, Helen, why did you vote for Brian? Because he was a hard worker. He was a class act. He was a great friend. He did all his work. Blah blah blah. Helen, would you have voted for him again if the after you watched the episode? She's like, nope. And she like interrupts him. It's like. Such a Helen thing to do. She'll answer the question before you're done asking it. Yeah, well, that, that whole that, the whole little exchange is awesome because you know, he, like, like you said, he asked, you know, like, uh, did your perception of him change after uh, you know after the show? Yes, sir. And then would you have what, enough to change your vote? Yes, sir. Really, even for a guy like Clay, who that would have been tough. <laughs> the timing on that is so hilarious. My highlights include that. The one of the other highlights is is when he gets to Penny again, and Penny's talking, and and you know she's saying that Clay, you know when when Penny was like screwing over Jake when the only two were left, you know she was trying to distancing herself from Jake. It's because Clay told her to do that, and she was just trying to work the game. And then you know Clay's like, "Yep, I told her." And then you know Penny's like, "You know he." I thought that was working out, and then they didn't tell me, and then they voted me out. And Clay's like, "That's the rules." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's, a, there's another great underrated moment in the finale, too, where they start talking to Zabachnik, Rob Z. Ah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, Rob, what was the reaction to you at home? And Rob's like, well, I'm watching it with my family. And they're like, were you just choking that guy? <laughs> and I just love the way that Rob's so yeah, Dude, were you just one. choking that guy? Well, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love uh, Stephanie being a stripper. That's great. Well, that's that's the highlight of the of of the reunion. That's not an underrated moment. That is the that is the highlight. Is Stephanie Dill and her audition tape? Well, yeah, and Jeff slams her. He's like, "Why didn't that woman show up?" Yeah, like and, Jeff, don't slam your cast. You're, this isn't late, Jeff. This is still early, Jeff. You didn't do that yet. Well, again, yeah, I, I mean, but Jeff is like, he's like, Jesus Christ, do you see you in that video? You're like stripping naked, doing a strip tease and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, and what's funny is that. This is, again, Jeff not being very good at, you know, quite what he's doing yet because he's trying to get her to say that she won't let herself down again. But she's like, no, I learned that uh, I need to be believing myself and I need to go out there. And also I knew I, I want to have kids and stuff like that. And Jeff's like, no, we were talking earlier and it was like, oh, Jeff didn't didn't set that one up right. Yeah, he kind of screwed that one. <laughs> what I remember about that that finale being there live in person is that Tanya and Stephanie looked a lot alike with they, the way they were made up that night. And I remember not thinking that during the show. Like, they look nothing alike. But I remember if you watch the finale, they kind of looked like sisters. It's like, it was wild. And then, of course, Tanya coughing through the whole thing. I was going to say, you can tell Tanya because she was coughing through the whole damn thing. I have no idea what was going on there. (laughs) But yeah, I I was in the studio that night. And again, if you watch the finale or the reunion now and you hear Tanya coughing, it was even louder in the studio. It was all you could hear. Like, they actually, I think, turned down her microphone a little on TV. Yeah, they had to. She just kept coughing, and like Ted's trying to talk, and everyone's trying to talk, and it's just Tanya coughing and hacking in the background. <laughs> yes. All right, I suppose we should start talking about the legacy here of Thailand. The legacy of Thailand. 
you want to start? Well, I'll leave it. You're the one that's kind of planning the podcast. I'm sure you kind of have an outline. What do you want to? What What was your plan here for after the the episodes are over? Okay. Well, let's first talk about let's talk about Brian. Let's 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 get everything we need to talk about Brian out of the way right now. Brian's awesome. Best player ever. I will not listen to any arguments otherwise. Yes, I think I said it in the first in the first podcast, and I'll say it again. Now there is this entity, the Survivor Hall of Fame. It's not an actual place. It's just something that is what you know that that has come in an online thing i know it's not like super 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 legit but it is the closest thing we have to a hall of fame and they've had what three years of inducting people in there brian heideck is not in the survivor hall of fame i don't know if he's ever going to get in the survivor hall of fame which to me is a tragedy because brian heideck could be the greatest player to ever play this game yeah and it's it's a shame because cbs I mean, the minute that he won Survivor, they start, tried to start distancing them, some them, themselves from him. And it's one of those things that I think it's not so much what happened on the show as what happened off the show. Is that they cast this guy as a used car salesman. They wanted to see this, you know, like Kurt Russell in used cars, one of these sleazy used car salesmen go out and play Survivor. And they hired this guy, Brian, who's like, he wasn't a big Survivor fan. They just kind of recruited him. But he was like the number two or three salesman in the entire country. He was this big shot salesman. So he comes on the show, and like all the publicity and all the media has gone out, and then they find out that the Heideck is a is a adult film star on the side, which I don't I to this day I don't think they actually knew that. I think that somehow slipped by them because I don't think Brian advertised it. And so it was one of these things where we just had Richard Hatch winning Survivor, and he came back and he like got accused of beating his kid up, and it was a big black eye for CBS. And now you got this other winner on the family friendly network on this family show Survivor who's going to win and he's a porn star and they really wanted nothing to do with that. And they really never hyped him as a player, as a character. And it's, it's one of those things. They just really tried to distance themselves from him. And then you had the thing with CC and him getting in the domestic, which didn't look good. I mean, again, it's the exact same thing as Richard Hatch. He got in that thing with his son. He got arrested for beating his son literally like a week before he won survivor. It was horrible timing. And it happened again with Brian. And it was just one of those things. They just didn't want America to fall in love with him or remember him. And it's like, they just, the minute Survivor ended, he did his early show stuff, he was done. They wanted nothing to do with Brian ever again. Now, the rumor is that they tried to bring him back for All-Stars, but he asked for an appearance fee. Is that true, or did they just not ask him back? You know, Brian says it's true. I've heard people say that's true. This is one that, there's something called the smell test. If something doesn't smell right, then it's fishy. There's no way this is true. There's no way they ever would have asked Brian to be on All-Stars other than the cursory, hey, are you interested? Let me know if you're interested in maybe being considered for All-Stars. Because, again, if you look at how they handled his legacy after Thailand, they wouldn't even mention him. I mean, he was so forgotten. They wanted nothing to do with Thailand. So there is no way they would have picked him over someone like Boston Rob or Scoopin or something for for All-Stars. Are you kidding me? So, no, I... I call BS on that one, and I really think that people need to stop repeating Brian's assertion that they they just wouldn't pay his appearance fee because that's exactly what I would expect Brian Heideck would say, and I think it's complete BS. Brian, I think I, I'll, I'll have to say it like this. Brian, he, I think Brian is probably the best person to ever have played Survivor. I mean, again, we've got, yeah, Boston Rob has gone on four times and, and Boston Rob's a great survivor player. I'm not going to take that away from him. We've had people in later seasons, uh, you know, Earl won nine, nothing on his season, uh, Kim and survivor one world just, you know, absolutely controlled that game start to finish. We've had great players, Brian. I feel, you know, he, he combines just sociopathy. You know, he was strong in challenges 
And the thing is, is that I think, you know, Jeff actually does hit it on the head in the in the reunion show. It's that, you know, there was a totem pole there at Chewygon and Brian was the leader of it, but he was not at the top ever. And, you know, he he had things going when Gandia was still around and she was bitching about the men. She bitched about Ted and about Clay. She never bitched about Brian. You know, people really you know didn't really say anything bad about Brian. Helen said he was a class act, which is like the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> I mean, that is that is how good of a player Brian Heideck is. Yeah, and people always forget that he was an all-state quarterback in, like, school. Like, this guy's a fantastic athlete on top of being, again, one of the top five car salesmen in the country. And it's one of those things, if you if you listen to any interview Brian's done, he didn't do a lot of them. He did that one for Survivor Oz where it's really good. If you listen to that, it explains everything you need to know about winning Survivor. And Brian's one of those guys that I don't even think was playing Survivor. I think he was playing salesman. He's so mm-hmm. good at he can tell you exactly what you want to hear. He knows what you want. So it's almost like emotion or strategy doesn't even enter into his head. He just does this for a living. He sees what your needs are. He can tell you how you can fill your needs. And it's really what is in his best in- best interest, not yours. And this is just what he does. He's one of those guys that I would almost be nervous to talk to in real life because I don't know what he would talk me into. And I wasn't even thinking about it. And so one of those guys, he's so good at Survivor, it's almost not good TV. He almost makes boring TV because well, it's effortless. That's just what I was going to say. On the other side of the coin, as much as you can, you know talk about what an awesome player Brian is there's a reason that he's you know universally not that liked and has kind of been forgotten over the years because you know when it comes down to it Survivor is a game about you know at least how it started off with you know just everyday Americans they put together and because there isn't that you know level of Brian that that's relatable and there really mm-hmm. isn't even that much of like Brian that's admirable because you I mean you don't really like that guy in real life you don't like the sleazy guy that talks to you you know that that can turn your words around and manipulate you so I mean there definitely is a reason that he is it's almost like he's too good for you know for television you know if if this is just a, if there wasn't the you know the television aspect of it where people are you know supposed to really you know invest in characters and relate to characters then it'd, it'd be perfect for him but that's that's the one shortcoming he has is, is connecting with that viewer audience because the casual viewer like my seventh grade uh, science teacher says i don't like you you're mean yeah, and it's funny, the level of dislike for Brian. People always ask me, what was the reaction to Brian at the time? I'm like, there was no reaction to Brian. There was none. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's funny, you, you go back and I'm reading my old columns from that era, and I'm writing, oh, Jeff Probst promised a great villain this season, the greatest villain since Richard Hatch. He and wasn't like, a villain, though. Yeah, it's clear they're talking about Brian, but they couldn't do anything with him. Like, he'll do stuff like he'll do sexist confessionals, oh, it's, the women are cooking and cleaning, it's like the way it should be in the old times. But you don't get the sense that Brian actually... Is, is an ass you just think he's trying to be funny and trying to create a tv character like there's all there's almost no way to relate to something like that because he's just so much of a natural salesman and it's like i don't even know who the real brian is so yeah that's the answer there was no reaction to brian i if you were excited to see a great player dominate a season yeah you liked him but you can't really say he was a good character no he he wasn't a good character and that is a strike and you know when we're talking about hall of fame and memorable uh survivor contestants and stuff like that i think that character uh comes forth more than gameplay and that's that's fine i'm not i'm not going to uh talk about it this way i'm not going to sit here and and talk for half an hour on what makes a good memorable survivor character or something like that but if we're just going to talk about you know survivor is a game it is a television sh- it's a television show first and foremost so i'm going to get that but it, at its heart, it is a game, and Brian Heideck is one of the best game players to ever have played it. And so you kind of have to you have to acknowledge that at least. Uh, from from where we go from there, that's fine. But you know, Brian Heideck just 
owned that season. He owned it. And I think that's probably the greatest trick that Brian ever did is that they promised the, one of the greater survivor villains of all time because Brian is so unlikable when you think about all of his characteristics in one bag and no one out there hated him until the season was over. Yeah, he never even came close to getting voted out. He never got a vote, did he? I don't no one ever voted. No. I don't think Brian ever got a vote against no. him. No, yeah, it's one of those. I feel bad when I said, you know, he's the best player of all time and I won't listen to arguments otherwise because I'm inadvertently slamming Sandra, who I'm a huge fan of. But, I mean, Sandra's got a big gaping flaw that even our most admirable admirers have to have to admit and that she's a horrible at challenges and she could easily be the first voted out in any season if the luck just kind of goes against her. It's just one of those things. Brian would never have that. There's, I can't imagine any scenario where Brian would ever really be a target unless it's something like it's a pagonging and he's down nine to one. Okay, I could see perhaps he might be in a little danger then. But like in just a general thing of him playing against strangers, I don't see any scenario where Brian would ever be in any danger. And it's just one of those things. Like he's almost too good for Survivor. And I'm in a, in a way, I'm kind of glad they never brought him back because I don't want to see other people just gang up on him like what happened to Richard in All Stars. Well, that yeah, that's that's the problem with with the bringing people back format is that you bring someone back, people know who they are, or in in theory they know who they are because they've played the game before. And so we can't really run that scenario. But, you know, like, if you had to basically say if you could play the game an infinite number of times with people not knowing who you are, I think Brian's probably got the highest percentage of wins. Um, You know, other people like Sandra, I I like Sandra a lot, and Vesepia, uh, I think Kim from One World. I think there are are some people that have played this game where their their win percentage, if they played it a hundred times, would be pretty high. But I think Brian probably has the highest one. Yeah, Brian, I mean, he's got the... The politics. He's a good politician. He's a salesman. He's very likable. I mean, it, it, people will say, "Oh no, he shot a puppy. He's a dick." But like, again, Helen Glover called him a class act, and Helen Glover will flat out tell you she's a suspicious northeasterner. So like, if she thinks he's a class act, anybody would fall for the class act. So like, the only kind of people I'd put up there with would always do well on Survivor. Someone like Yule, who's again a really good politician, well liked. People just like being around him. Yep. And Heidek's like that too. And it's it's one of those things. I think back. Uh, on the the Thailand DVD, there's a uh, the all the pre pregame material where they interview people, and Brian has a really telling quote, and it's funny in there that you know Brian comes off cocky, and a lot of people will sound cocky just because they're trying to make TV good TV personas or they want to build up storylines. When Brian's being cocky, he, I don't think he's bragging. I think he just is good, and he's got one quote in his pregame materials where. You know, he says, Survivor, sometimes it's very political, sometimes it's very nice, sometimes it's all friends, and sometimes it can turn into a bunch of sharks. And he says in there, he goes, I really hope when I'm playing it doesn't come down to that. And he's talking about being cutthroat. And the reason he doesn't want it, come, want it to come down to that is because this is a exact Brian Heideck quote. I don't want it to come down to that because I'm one of the best at it. And that's the thing. He's like, I don't want it to come down to that because it won't be fair to the other people if I have to start getting cutthroat. And that's Brian in a nutshell. Anything to add, Paul? Nope. I mean, th- that's one thing. It's you guys. You guys are even better about talking about Brian than I am because I really do, in a lot of ways. You know, like I, I don't want to sound like a, a broken record here, but can, can admire the perfect game he plays. But I can't get that passion about him as a person because I mean, there's there's something said about Sandra that on top of all the you know awesome gameplay she can play and has figured out how the game works i can also just laugh my ass off at her because she's freaking hilarious and has all these one-liners and stuff and with brian it just isn't like the same i mean he's he's funny in his own way with you know how how robotic he is but but i just can't get you know can't get that behind him as a character as much as i can some other players i mean despite the fact that he did play an impeccable game so it's better that you guys can talk up brian more than i can 
Well, I should point out again, I'm a I'm one of the biggest Sandra fans on the face of the earth. And I couldn't care less that she won twice. I just love her because she's a great character. Yeah. Yeah, she her winning twice is just great for me because she I means she was in more episodes. So it's one of those things. Yeah, she's a great player, but it almost detracts from how much I love her because oh now I have to talk about what a great player she is. And I just care that she's so funny. But what's funny, I gotta point out about Brian is his a lot of people don't remember this. He has an odd sense of humor where Sometimes he just reels off these sexist jokes or things like that. And every so often he'll just reel off these complete duds that are horrible and just not even close to funny. Like where he's going stir cavey that one time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nobody would make that joke. That's that's the worst joke. Like a comedian, as a comedian, I'm offended by that joke. But that's <laughs> yeah. Brian Heideck in a nutshell. He's trying to pull off a stir cavey joke. I'm like, come on, Brian, you're better than that. And he even laughs like he knows it's a bad joke and he doesn't care because he's Brian Heideck. Let's expand this even further now. Uh, we've talked about Brian quite a bit. Someone wrote a question to us, and the question was basically, how did Brian's win affect future contestants and Survivor as a whole? But I think we need to really think of that as not really Brian's win, just how did Survivor Thailand affect future contestants and Survivor as a whole? Because I think we've talked about how this season is really laying groundwork for future shit. It's telling you a lot of basic stuff. You know, work at camp. Don't sit around unless everyone else is sitting around. You know, adapt at camp. You know, don't be an ass. Don't stand out on day one. Uh, and, you know, and, and then Brian and, and Clay and those people are kind of showing you kind of how to win over a jury, how to get people to like you. It was a real, this is a blueprint for how a win Survivor, I feel, with Survivor Thailand. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those, if you're Brian, this is how to play and you'll do well. But the asterisk is there. Well, you have to be Brian. And right. I, I, th- I think there's a funny interview I think Brian gave right after Thailand where someone said, Brian, what's the le- what's the message to other players you can leave? And he said, don't try to do what I did because you'll get caught. Yeah, <laughs> which I think that's but yeah, it's a perfect game if you're Brian and you can pull this off. If you can manage to backstab all your friends and still have them vote for you. And that's a very tough skill to do. And Brian, I mean, it was as good as anybody at that. He's like, I can screw them over and they still won't hate me. And the one thing I'm going to immediately say, as I've said it in this podcast, how did it, how did things affect future seasons as a whole? The groundwork has been laid for Rob Sestrino and Johnny Fairplay and the people to come after them. It didn't happen this season. This season was like a straight pagonging. Brian was in control. People went home, and it really wasn't very close. It was all you know a lot to one in these things. So you know everyone the, the votes were very predictable, but they were talking about you know shaking things up and kind of you know flipping the majority alliances you know it didn't happen this season but we're talking about it it's kind of like you know in survivor we need to talk about something and then you know a season or two later it kind of comes into play this Mm -hmm. is that season and so it's a weird kind of awkward painful transition season where brian is playing just this incredible game and he's shutting any kind of future evolution down but they're talking about it and we're going to get there yeah and i want i want to mention one more thing about brian and that a lot of people will say, well, Brian only looks good because he's playing against a bunch of sheep. And this is no, an argument. No, no, yeah, no, this, no, no, no. Don't, don't talk about that or you're just disagreeing? No, I'm disagreeing. Okay, yeah. And this is I was going to point out that there were some fantastic players in Thailand. Like, Clay was a scheming little bastard. He's running around, you know, pulling off scams like a little motherfucker. Like, like Clay was not a bad player at all. Helen fantastic for what she did i mean she was a hard worker she was she had ties with everyone people trusted her she was one of those like sandra she says what she thinks and it makes you trust her so she was very reliable dependable and uh i thought jake was a fantastic player i mean he just kind of got a bad luck of the draw towards the end and penny was a little schemer there were some really good players that season and brian just was the best so i don't think that argument holds water at all that brian only looks good because he's against sheep i think the argument is yeah brian makes the other ones look like sheep because he's so good 
I agree. Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think that's an argument that can hold up at all. That Brian won once gets won against a bunch of bunch of idiots. I, I just don't think you can even make that argument. Oh, Helen is. I mean, she's as suspicious as anybody. She's not an idiot. No one can pull stuff over her eyes. Brian did though. Okay, to follow up on one thing that you said, Jay, what what was the kind of the lessons that were learned from this season? Obviously, you talked about the Sesternino and the groundwork for future seasons. From a casting point of view, the one thing that I think Survivor learned was don't go out and hire the best salesman in the country to play your game because they'll make it <laughs> don't make it look too easy. So they they definitely went back to trying to get more relatable people in future seasons after this. We didn't we didn't focus as heavily on the South anymore. I don't think ever again. <laughs> yeah. That was an odd little an odd little detour in Survivor casting history. Let's cast all Southerners. Yeah, and I think we're getting a lot more. I mean, as the seasons wear on, we're going to get a lot more model actors. That's great, you know. And and uh, there's always a pharmaceutical rep or two or something like that. But you know, these early seasons have got a lot of people that are like super accomplished. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like like Jake was, you know, like super land broker, and you know, these restaurant tours, and yeah, they still bring people out like that. But I almost feel like you know, you kind of had to be a road scholar to almost be on Survivor. And, uh, you know, and they get Brian Heideck. And, I mean, Brian Heideck is no road Scholar, but, as you said, he's one of the top salesmen in the country, you know. And, and so I think that they're starting, you know, it's, instead of getting the best of the best, let's just get some fun people to come out here. Yeah, and this is an argument I've made and I have made in past podcasts. I'll make them in future podcasts in that good players usually don't make good TV. Like, if they're flawless and they never screw up and they always do the right thing, it's really kind of bad TV. And that's the problem casting someone like Ryan Heideck, who's going to inherently be good at Survivor no matter what. Like, you don't want people like that. You want people that are flawed, like a Kathy O'Brien, who just is emotional, or like Helen, who has this temper and she's holding it in her whole time. the whole time. It's just... You need people that have flaws and that aren't perfect Survivor players. And Brian is a classic example of that. And there's many reasons they never asked him back. And that's a big one right there. They're like, this guy just does not make good TV. He's too good. We don't want people that are this good. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, he and people will fall into the Brian Heideck mold. Not not in, in terms of smarmy. Because I think of, you brought up Yule from a later season. I think that Yule is, is like, he played a fantastic game. Very, very good at Survivor. Uh, Yule's boring TV. Yeah, same thing. It's the exact same thing. I watch Yule, and I'm like, man, that guy's really good at this game. He's going to be a politician someday, and I think he is a politician now. Isn't that correct? Yes, because yeah. unlike Brian Heideck, who uses his 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 powers for evil, Yule uses them for good. <laughs> yeah, and also Yule does not have an embarrassing porn past that would probably come <laughs> up in some election. <laughs> he sure doesn't. All right. Um, I suppose we should do reader questions. You got a bunch. Of, I'm sure you have a bunch of reader questions for this one. Well, I, questions. I, I, I do have some. We, we talked about that. A lot of, you know, one of them is uh, just talk about Helen being awesome. Check well, we that one off, do right? do that a lot, Helen, yep. Yeah, Helen's awesome. Um, and D- Dom Harvey says, I'd like to hear a lot about Brian a ton and less about Gandia and Rob above, and I probably will. Well, we succeeded that. It's good. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I don't even remember Gandhi at this point. You know, I think a lot of the questions, you know, a lot of them is, you know, do you, we, we answered, you know, did Brian spell road trip wrong on purpose? I think we got that one checked off, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think the reaction of the audience would have been if someone actually did take Jeff's offer of the mutiny up? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, my first, my initial instinct to that is I think that question is, is moot because nobody would have taken the offer, not at that point in Survivor history when people were mostly clinging to their alliances. What would have the reaction been? I think it would have been very similar to the reaction of the row two four. 
I mean, Fall of the Road 2 4, it's like people would have been, would all anybody would have been talking about the next day on Survivor because that was how Survivor was played back then. So whether it was good or bad, it would have got people buzzing because it would have been something new and it would have, it was, would have broken the mold of what we thought Survivor looked like. Uh, a question would be, what was the what was the public's reaction to the fake merge? We talked about it before. We talked about how you know you don't blame Sheehan, but what did what did the public think when when we had a fake merge and poor Sheehan got uh, got quick more quickly booted by her tribe? Yeah, and this is this is something that Sheehan fans won't want to hear, but I don't think most people really cared that much because she was never that big a character. She never had a huge fan base. She never had a huge anti fan base. So I think a lot of people just kind of like shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, well, yeah, she would have been next anyway. I mean, I don't remember it causing a huge stir at the time. Because if you look at it logically, she was going to be the next voted out anyway, so it really changed nothing. No, it, it didn't. But, you know, it, it, even they bring it up in the reunion show where Jeff's like, oh, you know, we had a fake merge and poor Sheehan and all that sort of stuff. And everyone kind of like laughed and groaned and stuff like that. So it's a... You know, it, it it was kind of a big deal that that they did the fake merge, and it's sort of the thing that you can kind of only do once, and they yeah. they did it with great effect. And so yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pulled off well on TV. It made a good episode. It it cemented Sheehan's legacy and probably got her onto All Stars just because it was that scene and people saw that scene so many times in like the retrospective clips. But yeah, she was never a big major character. I mean, it would have been laughable if you would have said, "Oh yeah, Sheehan's going to be on All Stars in a couple years." I'm like. But she didn't even make the jury. Like, why would she be an all-star? So it was one of those that didn't really make as big a stir as you, th- as you think. Right. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, going back to the reunion show, Jeff hosting it. Um, you know, I think that other than him being green, was there anything about that reunion that, you know, because we all kind of really liked that one as compared to how they do reunions now? I like it just because it was less slick. Jeff is way too slick for his own good now. I mean, he's a producer. He's clearly got an agenda how it's supposed to go. He's He knows what he wants to talk about, like certain things he wants to publicize for like bringing back future players for future seasons. It's just, it's a lot more calculated and slick now. Back then, it was really just him interacting with the players the same way he would have interacted with them on the show. And at the time, that was neat because we'd never seen that before. We'd never seen an actual interaction between Jeff and the players when it's not edited for TV. Looking through, and I think we've covered most everything else. I think we can call this one almost pretty much a wrap. Wow. We actually, we, we stopped goofing around, and we focused for that one and actually got a lot done. We did. It was all business. We, we accomplished things. It, it, was, it was a business trip. Yes. It was. We should pat ourselves all on the back right now. Good job, sirs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. So we're done? We kept that under two and a half hours? We did. We did. We got wow. through it. We Good got job, it. Jay. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, that was Jay's first podcast, the three-parter, and I, everyone should give Jay a big hand. Good job. That was his first time leading. Well done. Oh, yeah, and I want to give everyone an update. Uh, since the last one, I got exactly uh, uh, one mail in my inbox from somebody. So uh, congratulations, that one person. You, uh, you have now made my inbox a little, a little more full by having one thing in it. Was That's it. Was it a Nigerian prince? Um, maybe... <laughs> Maybe. That's a scam, Jay. That's a scam. If my dad fell for it, don't you fall for it? Too. No, dude, it's cool. He just needs some. He just needs me to front him some money. I'm gonna get it back. All right. Well, it's good because I got some email trying to sell me some low, uh, some discount Cialis. So that's good. So Dis- I'm on the same track. You know, when I think of boner <laughs> pills, I think of going for the real cheap stuff. <laughs> All right.
<clears throat> so I guess that's it. Uh, anything more you guys wanted to say about Thailand before we sign off and never let Jay run a podcast again? <laughs> Shut up. I'm going to run the next one. No, maybe I won't. But I'll run one in the future. Shut up. <laughs> Paul, you got anything to add here? I don't think I have anything to, you know, I just hope that, you know, people give Thailand a chance. That's one thing I think we mentioned early on is there's so many people out there in the Survivor community who have never seen Thailand or only saw it when it aired and will just will harp on it like no other and, and give it a chance. Even if you are one of those people who, you know, does not like Brian, does not like Clay, there's still there's still so much gold to that season throughout. So at least give it a chance. I, I dare you, like, once you start, you cannot at least, you know, get those first six episodes in because they're just, like, so unbelievably inter- uh, so un- unbelievably entertaining so give it a shot bet you jay got anything to add i just really love this season you know i think it, it combines a lot of funny with serious and i i think that if anyone's really trying to figure out how to play the game it's not really model your strategy after brian's because i think we've said that brian is just unique in that sense but it gives you a, a lot of do's and don'ts on on stuff going forward so i think it's a good one to watch and as i said before i think the season is way ahead of its time uh in in the sense that you know it's kind of the game is kind of played the way it is now in a lot of ways they get this alliance they keep it together you know they had a guy clamped down on everything and they brought a goat to the end which we didn't even though it's happened before uh thailand it was you know brian just says i'm gonna bring clay because clay no i will get more votes than clay and that's just how survivor is you need to you need to get more votes at the end and brian showed a way how to do that the season is really, really good. It's really, really funny. There's a lot of love in the season. And I know that, you know, it's 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 after Marquesas and it's before the Amazon and Pearl Islands. And so it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But compared to a lot of stuff that's come out since then, it's a really, really solid season. Give it a chance. Yeah, the, the one thing I wanted to say about Thailand is that there's one thing I'd really like people to appreciate about the season is Brian as a winner and just how good players are really, really good at Survivor, and there's a reason they don't get asked back. And that's one of the things I've always said about Survivor. The guys that are so good, just you don't want to watch them. It's just not entertaining, and Brian's a classic example of that. But you can't take away the fact that he's freaking amazing at Survivor, and no one will ever be inherently as good at this game as he is. The other thing I wanted to point out was that Helen should really get more love in the fan community. I mean, she was the Kathy of her day. She was never as popular as Kathy, but I think as a character she holds up as well, maybe even better than Kathy. In fact, I would say, I've, I've often said this, and I think Thailand actually holds up over repeated viewings better than even Amazon does the next season. And that's almost all because of Helen. She is, I mean, she's just is so entertaining and is such a weird, quirky character that I've never seen an equivalent for in Survivor. Like, she's half New England prim, uptight school marm and half giggly little schoolgirl. She's just an odd little mix. And the other thing I wanted to say about uh, Thailand, I think now I forgot it. So I think those are the two I would end on. <laughs> that was really eloquent right there. <laughs> I don't I don't take notes people. I just winging this as I go along. Right. Uh if anything, you want to give us a teaser. You've been telling us about how such a big high roller, big baller you are going to the Thailand finale. <laughs> is there anything you can give us gleam us into anything about the next season? Yes, this is some this is a story I love telling. Um so I'm at the Thailand finale with Mertz and we're hanging around and if you know anything about Mertz Jaffrey, you know he knows everybody. He considers himself a survivor alum and probably for good reason because he's friends with everybody in fact there's this discussion like the super fans which guys goes to all their events and stuff and there's always arguments who's the biggest super fan mertz has always been the biggest super fan he's at everything he's always known everyone and so i was lucky enough to tag along with him at the 
Thailand finale. And this is, you know, after uh, Brian has been announced as a winner, somewhere right around the end. He kind of makes his way down to the to the crowd level by the other survivors. We end up near Jeff Varner. And so Mertz is down there, and he's talking to Varner, and Mertz is best friends with Varner because he knows everybody. And, and Varner is dropping these teasers on us about Amazon, which was filming, I think, maybe... I, mean, I was at the, the Thailand finale in December of 2002, and Amazon had just finished filming or was in its final week. So Varner's telling us all these spoilers because that's what Varner does. He's the spoiler king. He knows everything about every season. <clears throat> and so Varner pulls Mertz aside. He's like, you got to watch this next season, Amazon. He goes, there's this guy on this season. He's just killing everyone. And Mertz is like, oh, really? What's what's his name? And Varner's like, I don't know his name, but he's young. He's like Richard Hatch, and he's like this super evil villain, and he's a great – he's amazing. He's just destroying people. And Varner's like – and you've never seen it before because he's like 22 years old. He's this little kid. He's a young kid, and he's just making everyone look embarrassing. And so Mertz's like, oh, wow, let me file that away for – for my spoilers and stuff. And I, 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 had, I don't like spoilers. I didn't really want to hear this, but I'm standing there. I can't not hear it. And I'm like, wow, that sounds interesting. So, so that was the legacy after Thailand ended. It's like, yeah, Brian won, but there was all this buzz building among all the spoilers, all the alums, all the websites about there's this great player the next season that you've never seen anything like him before in Survivor. And I was trying to pick out who it was when I saw the bios. And what's funny is that the first person I picked out was Ryan Aiken. So, <laughs> I unfortunately picked out the wrong guy, but then my backup choice was Rob Sesternino. And the reason for that is because when the, the, the there was this uh, DVD that came out, they they only gave it out at Saturn dealerships. It was the weirdest little tie-in, but you could <laughs> get it. And so I, I picked up this Saturn DVD of the Amazon cast, and there's Rob Sesternino, kind of pudgy. He was a little pudgy back then. And he's sitting in a hammock, and he's saying something like, I am not a very nice person. And anybody who plays games with me or knows me will tell you that. Rob is not very nice. And I remember seeing that and like, that's the guy. That's the guy that's going to be this big legend. And so we'll get to that in the next season. And I ended up making friends with Rob kind of behind the scenes, even before he became a big deal. But yeah, it's it's really cool. I have a, I have a long history with Amazon and I'll, I'm really excited to talk about that one. It's going to be a good one. It's, um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot to talk about. So I'm definitely excited for it. So I, sorry I wasn't at the finale. I had a bedtime at 10 o'clock. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, don't have as many exciting stories to share with Mario. So sorry I can't compete with him. Well, I should point out that the the Thailand finale was the last finale I ever went to because there was a point in Survivor history where CBS got pissed that all the websites were printing spoilers. And so that was the first and last time that Survivor Central was offered tickets to the finale. After that, the policy quickly switched to, fuck all of you all websites. So uh, websites became public enemy number one right after Thailand. So I never went to another finale. So that's my one time where I got to feel like a big shot. Did all the websites shoot a puppy with a bow and arrow? <laughs> no. No, just uh, television without pity. That was the one. Those are the assholes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, anything uh, you guys want to wrap it up here? No, I think I think we're good. I think we've done we've done like a, just a jillion solid hours on Survivor Thailand. I think we can close the book on it. I think we've instilled that we really really enjoy this season. And uh, I'm well aware that when people rate Survivor, we're 26 seasons into sh- into the show now. They're going to rank it probably in their 20s or low teens. I understand that fact, and I accept the fact that people do that. But I urge people to rewatch the season. It is really good. You got to look for the good game played by Brian. You got to look for the Survivor 101s. And you got to look for the humor in there. It's really funny all the way through. Um, and and no one actually got raped. <laughs> yes. And again, as I point out, there was never a bad season the first seven seasons. Thailand might not be as strong as the amazing ones like Pearl Islands and Marquesas, but it's not that far behind, and it's nowhere near a bad season. 
No, it's fantastic, and uh, I know that you know a lot of people really love the Amazon, and we do too. And, and I'm not saying I don't love the Amazon, but it was it was fun to talk about a season because we talked about you know Borneo and 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 Africa and Australia, you know the the first three, which is kind of like this canonical first three, and then Marquesas is is a really really you know enjoyed season by by everybody. It was fun to talk about a season that that people don't necessarily enjoy because there's a lot of love there, and it, you can tell that we really enjoyed it, and it's really good to watch. But now we're gonna get into Amazon, which I think is universally loved. So uh, we're all just going to share in that love, I suppose. And you know why Brian loved Thailand so much, right? Because it didn't have two black winners in a row. That's, That's right. <laughs> although although I, I, if, if I could spoil just slightly, uh, you would think that, you know, we had a lot of fun with Zoe in, uh, in Marquesas. And this one, we had a lot of fun with Clay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting uh, real hard and heavy with Butch in Amazon. I'm just saying it now. Butch, okay, I'm a Matthew head here. I'm going to be a big Matthew guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He'll he'll be my teaser I leave you with. There's one person that just drives me up the wall in Survivor Amazon. It's probably not someone you even think of, so just get ready for that. You hate Christy, don't you? (laughs) I'm not saying anything. No, Paul I, hates the deaf. Paul hates the deaf. I think I know exactly who it is, and we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ask you when, when we get off this podcast. But uh, Survivor Thailand, we did it. We got through it, and now we're going on to, I wouldn't say bigger and better things, but we're just going to get on to maybe the sixth Survivor season that's ever been filmed, and that's really good stuff. I'm Jay Fisher. I'm Paul Osselson. I'm Mario Lanza, and ladies, send me chocolate chip cookies. I love them. Thank you. Talk to you later. I guess I was outplayed. I planned on staying longer, and um, maybe I was gotten rid of because I'm too much of a threat to win. That's the way I'm going to take it. So uh, the three of you that are left, break a leg, and I mean it. Done!